Welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Boo Lee Crosser. Uh, Boo Lee Crosser is a band slash guy uh, named Tom uh, that uh, exists in Bowling Green, Ohio. And they are part of the Mike Bryce Roots Music Club that uh, we talked about uh, with Mike Bryce a couple episodes ago. So if you are not familiar with that, you should go check it out because Mike is a collaborator with this band and uh, and Tom. And um, that's how I met these guys. Uh, they're fantastic uh, young musicians to talk to. And uh, I had a great time. Uh, we talked to Flannery Mernon, who is the singer and uh, guitarist. We talked to Devante Stovall and Tom Vasey, or Vassy, sorry, Tom, I don't know how to say your last name, or uh, Tom slash Bully Crosser. So, awesome conversation, and we're going to get right into that in a few minutes here. But I, first, I wanted to talk about yesterday, which was November the 6th, Tuesday, November the 6th, which you may or may not know that it was a voting day. Um, here in Ohio, it was, uh, seemed like business as usual. I mean, just the same old bullshit. But in my little city that I live in, a suburb outside Toledo, um, called Oregon, uh, not to be confused with Oregon, spelled exactly the same, uh, here we call it Oregon, Ohio, um, they passed a law saying that, uh, if you get caught with weed, you don't go to jail. They're, so they're decriminalizing it, which in Ohio it's decriminalized, but apparently it's by city by city and by, or you know, like it's county by county and it's like by cop by cop. It's a very disparate and awful way to do things instead of just being like, hey, who gives a fuck about weed? It's just, it's safer than booze. But no, here in t Ohio... Uh, we're controlled by a lot of pharmaceutical shit going on here. We have an opiate crisis here, uh, Ohio. So you know that there's more to this suppress suppressive nature towards marijuana here than there is, you know than meets the eye. You know there when you have a huge prescription pill problem somewhere, and then there's big opposition to natural ways of of, of mediating. Uh, pain, you have to expect that there's something bigger here at play. I'm not going to go into that. All I'm going to say is that Oregon has passed an ordinance that was basically decriminalizing marijuana and making it so I don't have to fear going to jail because I smoked a joint. You know, like it's so fucking stupid. Um, I'm 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 pretty responsible uh, drug user. You know, I don't, I don't do it around my kids. I don't do, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just very responsible with what I do w in my life now. I used to be pretty irresponsible. And I know there's stories on this podcast that, that say otherwise. But I'm pretty responsible. I'm a pretty busy person. And I don't have a lot of time to be fucked up constantly. So 
in any case, uh, yeah. So Oregon, thank you very much. This is a semi. This this is a a semi dream come true. Uh, my ideal Oregon would be that I could just go down the street next to Kroger and next to the dry cleaner and Big Lots in this little storefront. Go buy me a eighth. And, you know, maybe some edibles. You know, for the bad knee go home you know that that's my ideal world here but the lord has answered our prayers not 10 miles north of where i sit is there a magical land shaped like a glove that has legalized marijuana that's right michigan has legalized recreational marijuana I'm very happy to 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 be from Michigan. I know I say I'm from Ohio, but I, I grew up partly in Michigan and in Ohio. So basically, Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan area. I am from. I am from both. So there, <laughs> and I am seriously considering considering uh, moving back to Michigan now that it's legalized. Uh, Th shit won't be in place until 2020. They have a lot of things to do, like every state, where they have to like create legislation and how these taxes are going to work and and uh, what what the money is going to be allotted for and all that good shit. And like the fucked up thing is that Michigan in two years, I'd say in like three years, because a year after Michigan puts legal in place, they're going to see so much improvement. In, in just everyday life. I mean, you look at Colorado and Washington and Oregon where where DUIs went down. And, and I mean, and, and the best part is, like, in Oregon and, and Washington and all these states, uh, it drives the price of weed down. And that's what we're looking for, folks. I love going to California because I can walk into a store and buy a cheap fucking sack of weed that's pretty fucking good. Like... The cheapest weed out there is probably the best weed out here. <laughs> That's not true. There's some good weed out here, but it's not. I mean, Cali weed has some shit. Hawaiian weed. Oh my God. Hawaiian weed was pretty fucking cool, but I still say Cali holds it down. I'm going to say it. Cali holds it down even more than Hawaii. And I smoke some good weed in Hawaii. Cali, man. Anyways, uh, but nothing against Michigan. I love Michigan, and um, I think I'm going to live there now. And so, congratulations, Michiganites. You guys have uh, made the, the direction of progress. You've took one step in the right way towards, you know, rainbows, daisies, and snowflakes, and all that good shit. So, very excited to say that soon I'll be able to just drive over the border and go buy a bag legally and come back to my semi-legal city of Oregon and not have to worry about going to jail. That's nice. I'm a family man, okay? I have a family. <laughs> Gotta think about these things. Um, and I do have chronic pain, too. And, you know, it helps with a lot of other things. Uh, I've been calling it my medication. Um, Raina doesn't think it's medicine, but I do. And we all do. It's medicine. Write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. I'm sorry that my energy shifted so harshly there. I was supposed to be, I was trying to be dramatic, but it just came off as manic. So 
My bad. Uh, you can write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you think Michigan did the right thing by legalizing weed. And if you know anything more about it, let me know because I've only skimmed the headlines and... I mean, and that's just depressing, skimming headlines. So I don't do that much. And that's why we didn't make this into a huge political thing. Although I have done that before. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you can check out the Barren Wasteland. That is the WeSpeakEnglishGood.net page. Um, you can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. You can leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Lots of ways to communicate and show your appreciation. I don't ask for money. I just ask for feedback. And so, please, email me or share or whatever. Don't do anything. Just flick me off through your phone and be like, fuck you, Mike. I ain't doing shit. I'm going to just sit here and listen for free. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> there's really nothing to laugh about that was, i was just laughing about that stupid image of someone flicking off their phone like cursing me which is so stupid because anyways let's let's get to bully crosser i feel like i've been babbling as usual so um bully crosser everybody yay beep, 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 Well, I, I see. Here's works. the funny thing: I can do cultured <laughs> dairy, so like I can eat yogurt, I can eat cheese, but just straight milk, it messes me up. I'm not sure what really? that is. I think That's it has to do with the, something with the protein in the. I think so too, because I can do I can do straight milk and I can do yogurt, but cheese is out of the question. Really? <laughs> but like, if I do drink milk and if I do drink yo or eat yogurt. My day is over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. not great. Yeah. I mean, it's not over. I can still like exist in society as a, a normal functioning human being, but I have to use the restroom a little bit more often than usual. <laughs> so we're starting out uh, the podcast with talking about my uh, my bathroom habits. That's great. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I'm recording now, so... If, I, I was oh, how long were you recording? Uh, <laughs> no, after... Don't put Big D on the... No, I'm just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here with my bad Big D. Uh, no, I'm just It's my old gangland name. <laughs> uh, we're sitting here with Devante, uh, Tom, uh, yeah. and... I'm Flannery. Flan. Flannery. 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 I'm, but Flan is okay. Yeah, it's all it's all good. Is that, is, some, is that Irish? Is, it's very Irish. It I sounds get, Irish. I'm, I'm almost thinking maybe I should just introduce myself as Flannery now, because every time I do Flan, everyone goes, oh, like the dessert. Yeah, and yeah, And I flan? get really irritated. I mean, that's been happening for 21-some years. Like. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. The, I hate the, that. The flan, Flannery. That's we nope. won't get into that. Well, everybody that loves right. inside jokes on podcasts. Those are the funniest jokes. Are the inside jokes that only the people they they go, yeah they go either way. There's either a segment of the audience that hears the inside joke, they don't really get it, but they're just laughing along anyways, or that's the other segment of the audience that's like, yeah, I'm clueless right now. They've already turned off. Yeah, they, they're, they're like, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna turn on Netflix now. Oh, <laughs> uh, so um. You guys, you guys go by Booly Crossing, is that right? Booly Crosser. Crosser. That's I'm just so him, though. But I'm, see, I'm, yeah, this I'm, I'm is. Just, I was confused. That's why, because when I asked you for some, when you were like reaching out, you're like, 
I was like, yeah, do you got something? And I'm like, oh, I think this guy is that guy. <laughs> but the, the, so this is what happened. We played a house show okay. back in September in Toledo. It went great. It was fun. It was at the Holland House. I don't know if you're familiar with that venue. It's like a little DIY spot. Where's that at? Uh, it's in Sylvain, Holland. It's in Holland it's on, on Holland, Sylvain. It's on Holland, Sylvain. Holland, Sylvain. Sylvain Road, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. So we played, had a great time. It was it was really cool. Um, but then after the concert, uh, there were questions as to, so what do you guys go by? At the time, we went by Freight Street. Oh, I like played, the song. And I played <laughs> Bully Crosser. That was my solo project. Ah. And all the merch was under Bully Crosser. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to be like, yeah, so I'm Bully Crosser, but we are Freight Street. Ah. So do you have any music online? Well, we got a song on Spotify. I'm so in- basically... <laughs> it was confusing. Yeah. And so what happened was, it, bad marketing or not, I decided to just go... <laughs> I'm trying to take the name Bully Crosser and make it not about me anymore and expand mm. it to everybody. Yeah. And then that way, the album, I'm still want to name it Freight Street, and I want to honor that name because I still think of the guys as Freight Street. Mm-hmm. But it's easier for my friends and fans to like see us as that one name mm-hmm. and yes. get that out. Got and you. So now I'm in a whole kind of rebranding situation, or we are, yeah. where it's not just me, Bully Crosser, anymore doing like a sad folk singer guy thing. <laughs> Cause I did that for like four or five years. I'm trying to get out of that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of uh, isolating. I wouldn't mind us being called Bully Crosser. I think that's still a pretty dope name. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I, I and that's where my confusion was. I was like, because it's like Tom is hitting me up about Bully right. Crosser. And I'm like, is Bully gonna make an appearance or is like? And then I'm like, wait, is Tom Bully? Or is the band... So, like, thank you for clarifying. It's like Pink Floyd. There's nobody named yeah. Pink Floyd yeah. in the band. Pink. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's the name. That's, like... All right. So that, we're getting past... So we're clarifying stuff today, folks. We're getting stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so you're the you're the main vocalist? Like, can we just... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily... We share vocals. Yeah, we share vocals. Who's, you're Gruffle? You're the... Guy. I'm the Gruffle okay. guy. I do write a lot of songs... But I wouldn't say I'm like the most powerful vocalist. I would give that lead to Flan. Okay, I, I have not heard, to talk you up, but I I'm, actually, the, I'm the yeah, gruff. No. So. I heard I haven't heard anything with you on it actually. I I've just been listening to the last album that's on Spotify. Yeah, the 2017 release. So. Totally. Well, that's where. So the last song in that album is called New Bedford. Okay. And that's the namesake of the whole album. Yeah. And that was actually the first song where we got together and started this project. Actually, two years ago, we would be in a smoky, alcohol-drenched apartment just trying to figure <laughs> out how to play this song with violin, a cello, a guitar, an okay. acoustic bass. Like, not an upright. Like, yeah. <laughs> an oh, acoustic oh, yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like... And we worked for months on it, and... It ended up being at least my favorite song and most meaningful song to me. So after that, we tried to get together more. Mm-hmm. I'd say like that summer, we started playing gigs. Me, D, and Flan at Third Street Cigar in uh, Waterville, White House. Waterville. Waterville. It's Waterville. Yeah. It's Waterville. And that's where. And then we asked our buddy JP uh, Stiebel, who plays in a band called Trino Leaves with D, actually now. 
uh, to fill in on drums, if you want. Yeah, I'm the most recent bassist in Trino Leaves. Shout out to the guys. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Trino Leaves, what, what, I've heard that name. What is it? What kind of music is it? Uh, it's, uh, we just define ourselves as psychedelic soul rock. Uh, you know, we play um, a lot. We got a lot of jazz influence in us. Did you guys play of, the, that Sacred Harvest Music Festival thing? Oh, uh, we were... I. I th- no, we ended up not playing Sacred Harvest. That's right, but we did play Black Swamp that weekend. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It which was, was like here. Yes, yeah, right. right, right. And I think you guys just played at Firefly Nights. Yeah, we just yeah. did. Didn't Billy Strings play that Black Swamp thing? Too? Yeah, he did. He was yeah. there. Okay, I missed that, but yeah. it was oh, like it was good. I, I saw was I saw him at Hookahville and fucking well, it was the appropriate place to see him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the I'm sorry, like I, I seriously. Okay, uh, just so you guys know, if I fucking sit here and space out in front of you, it's I, I ate fucking so many edibles yesterday that like I am still <laughs> fucked up from the night. <laughs> so please, I am oh, sorry. Man. Like no, that's I would have contacted you yesterday and been like, hey man, are we on for tomorrow? But like the whole day was like a fall. Like you, you wake up, you that's, start eating brownies, your day is over. It's that's like no, yeah. I I so I my wish my Sunday had gone that well. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was doing doing a paper or some crap, whatever. I'm kind of on the same level. I had a Bloody Mary (laughs) in the morning with a cup of coffee. It's not necessarily an edible, but it is in the way that they packed it with four cheese cubes. I mean, you know, when you you get a Bloody Mary, (laughs) you're thinking, okay, this is a commitment. It's basically going to be a salad. You get that at Everyday People? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they put that cheese on there. They put the cheese on, and I was just like, did you what? eat the cheese? Oh, yeah, I ate. I actually shared it. We had about a group of eight, you know, some friends yeah. in, in town and stuff. And I was like, hey, anybody want a block of cheese? <laughs> yeah, really? And then there was a pickle and some olives. Oh, and it's a meal. Yeah. How yeah. much was that Bloody Mary? That was about a uh, $7. Well, there you go. A $7 Bloody Mary meal that you oh, got buzz off of. Yeah, and the, yeah, then you go home and you're basically like, I don't want to sleep right now, but I'm just going to turn on. Some YouTube. Yeah, and just, just then you get stuck in a tornado. For four or five hours. Then D showed up and we started working on the app. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I keep hearing about the Tree No Leaves band. Um, you, okay, so so you play bass. You play the upright too? Is that what uh, yes. Are you the Not, upright player? Out there? I am. I play oh, okay. upright. I play oh, electric okay. primarily. Uh, and I play cello when needed. When well, my, well, this is a good way to get into this. What's, what's your lineage of music? Like where do you, like who do you come from a family of muses musicians artists Yeah actually uh, a lot of my family is very musical my grandmother is sort of the vanguard of all that when she was about in college she was a 4.0 really great student we would not be friends cuz she was too good for me uh, we were in the <laughs> opposite social circles uh, and she was you know in UT's marching band one of the few blacks you know oh, at nice. that time you know really? so she passed music down to her kids and grandkids every one of her kids all of her daughters played violin or piano at some point um, two of my aunts were actually in the Toledo Youth Orchestra which I was as well when I came along um, and all the grandkids, all of her grandkids ended up, you know, experimenting with music with like piano lessons here and there. I'm sort of the only one that actually stuck with it. Um, not to brag or anything. <laughs> not I, to brag. I just did. I just did. You know. Um, I went to Toledo School for the Arts because you know I started on music very TSA. young. Yeah. Uh, what, when did you graduate? 2011. 2011. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was the same time. No, he's old. How old are you? 25. 25. Okay, maybe. I don't know. 
What, my cousin, my cousin Josh Ramos went there, but I think he's. Oh older. yeah, you know I know Josh. Josh yeah, you know Josh? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> do you know? Do you, uh, because it's small. World. <laughs> have you worked with him before? Um, like playing. Yeah, or yeah, anything? yeah. Have you worked with him before? I think so. Yeah, I think we may have like been played at school before. And, oh, you know, okay, okay. Right stuff. on. Yeah. All right, right on. Sorry, I, I just there you go. Sidebar. Hey, there you go. So, so you went to TSA mm -hmm. and and. Um, so your grandma passed on the music, like, did she, so she was classically trained then? Is that, is that yeah, kind she of played, the route that she was pushing, like, kind mm -hmm. of showing you guys, the classically trained Yeah, route? she played French horn, uh, she played a lot of, I think, every brass instrument, she played so much. Like, <laughs> that's just what her thing was, she loved music, yeah. and, you know, unfortunately for her, when she was growing up, her, she didn't have a lot of support with music, they're like, oh, you know, musicians are a dime a dozen, you know, what do you need to do that for, you know, but... <laughs> You know, she kept with it, and she wanted to pass that down to her family because she loves music, and she, you know, passed that love was, down. Was that something that she was, like, she made a career of, or was that just, like, sort of a hobby? She didn't end up, being, you know, being able to make a career out of it. You know, kids came and, you know, ended up doing oh, that. Kids came, yes. yeah. But, you know, that didn't stop her. You know, she still, you yeah, know, played while she could, you know. Right, and right. I keep telling her, like, you need to get back into it, Grandma. She's like, I ain't got no wind left in me. I'm like, <laughs> I ain't got no wind. BS, you know. Uh, well, Etta Baker, you know, she, she recorded her, her like, First or last something album when she was like ninety four, right? Hear that, Granny? Awesome. Hear that? There you go. Yeah. There you no go. excuse. Step up your game, Granny. <laughs> Come on. Step up your game. And she like recorded it in her living room. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. You, you have can a hear living the birds, room, Granny. Come on. Like you, outside. you have a living room. I was still, uh, I was still like older guys. They'll be like, you know, Tom, I've been trying to uh, play the guitar a little bit, and I always point out like, T Model Ford. Uh -huh. as a guy to look up because oh, yeah. he was like a 50 year old guy who started playing the guitar like at 50 because mm. his like fifth wife left him a guitar <laughs> and left he's like, I might as well play this so thing became, yeah so he became a blues <laughs> musician and and just started releasing these great uh, songs and everything so it's never too late it isn't yeah. what's your lineage man you come from a family of musicians um no yeah. <laughs> i came from a, a family of uh, a very athletic family ah. and i was kind of like the only child who wasn't really athletic yeah, yeah. i gave boxing a whirl but oh. that didn't really work out too well <laughs> i gave football watering. yeah i got i gave football and boxing a world and you know, I, I love both sports, but I wasn't really gifted at it. Mm. Um, but my mom would uh, play a lot of music around the house. She always played piano, and we had a guitar lying around. Oh, that's And cute. my dad basically introduced me to every kind of music. So I got into, and then he would, he, he was the kind of person who would be like, um, I would be, you know, in my room playing because I was a sad teenager, and he would be like, "Hey, why don't you bring that outside? We'd love to hear you." Yeah. So, <laughs> so it and I did, and that gave me a lot of confidence, and you know, playing for your family. Yeah. So now I'm now I'm here. So and I'm, <laughs> yeah, now I'm here. I have two albums, and that's I I strongly hold my parents accountable for helping me get there. So they were pretty encouraging. Oh yeah. Situation. Yeah. That's cool. Like you get some people where the parents. I mean, especially what I found is like when you have people who are like from like an athletic family. A lot of times they're pushed in athletics and maybe deterred from. <laughs> Arts because well, <laughs> our entire society is against art for some reason. And, and me, I wasn't even pushed. I was just delusional. I would watch Friday Night Lights, the movie, and I wanted to be like Bowie Miles, but lose the state championship. Like I would fantasize getting to the state championship, but losing as like a theater 
kind of play. So I was already an artist before. I yeah, yeah, you're already making up the story. Because what kid doesn't want to win the state championship right, but, but for dramatic effect lose it? Like, so round 10, that's what I was doing. That's cool. I mean, like, imagining your losing moment. That's... And just wow. being... That's uh, inspiring. Triumphant in it, I guess. But that's all right. I mean, you turned all that weird angst into something else, right? Yeah. What's your lineage? Um, I do come from a family of musicians, although probably not starting... Or artists. I mean, well, way. yeah, I mean, um, my... My family has always been, I think, um, very you know literary. My dad's a, actually a professor in um, English education over at BGSU. Oh, nice. Um, and, of course, my mom's a really, really well-read woman. She's actually a nurse practitioner over at Wood County Hospital. Oh, okay. Brilliant woman. Um, I don't know. The, I got it mostly from my parents because I don't think they really got it in their households. So, um, my, But my mom is a sing. I mean, she... Like, obviously, neither of them went professional or even amateur or whatever, but they just sort of played in their living room, but they're good. Like, my you know, my dad um, was always playing guitar when I was little. Um, he, he built himself a set of bagpipes. Ooh. Yeah, out of, like, um, like a wine bladder and some uh, copper pipes. Wow. Yeah. Did it work? Yeah, it worked. It worked for <laughs> Well, because the style is the Illin pipes, which is, like, this Irish sort of uh, form of the bagpipes. Not the Highland. You don't blow into it. You, like, you squeeze push. the air under your arm like and that. And how does it refill? Um, and then when you lift up like this, it re refills. Oh, it refills. Yeah, he, and he kind of attached, like, a bellows to it. it was That's like what I was going to yeah, I was exactly. thinking that. And, like, I, what would work? Like, a Bell yeah, because like a fireplace bellows. Yeah. That's where the, the, that's where my brain goes is like problem solving because like I mm -hmm. never want to go out and buy the official like like I never wanted to go out and buy a, a pedal board. I finally did, yeah. and it was the greatest thing I ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love my fucking pedal board yeah. so much. Amen. I'm I just, very jealous. <laughs> I just got, but like I'm very much like I could just get a piece of wood, screw some shit in there, throw it in a suitcase, boom, pedal yeah. board. That's how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm being your dad. Totally I like get it. Kind of, yeah, that's I how like, I do it. Well, now was it was like was the bagpipe thing sort of like a thing? Is like see if he could do it, or was it just like this like weird like uh, obsessive thing he just sort of took on as a fun project? I think. Sorry, I didn't mean to call it obsessive. Of, oh no, I'm like, maybe it's a little bit of like um, I mean problem solving. Like yeah, I want to see if I can do this, but I mean my. My dad's family is is really Irish. They're both, Super Irish. Both my grandparents come from this strong Irish lineage. Um, uh. Like, there's really not a lot of um, anything else. I mean, my my grandmother um, was the first born in the U.S. So, oh. like, you know, her mom didn't come over till like, 1920s. Oh, sweet. Did um, they come in through New York? They came that? in through Boston, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Boston. Um, <laughs> Where all the Irish live. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> well, they came through Boston, but then they made their way into Toledo. And then on my grandfather's side, um, they actually came in a little earlier. They were coming in around, like, 1850s, 1860s. They came through Canada into New York, oh, okay. um, Ogdensburg, and then they kind of made their way to Toledo. And there's, you know, and then maybe some of them kind of wandered out west or whatever. Yeah. We, we sort of joke about John, John Henry was the, the son that married a Protestant girl and was ex <laughs> like, like you know, excluded from the family. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the hills. so yeah, kind of. Um, uh, how could you marry a Protestant? Or a Protestant? Yeah, because Catholic, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> Catholic, Catholic AF. Um, I'm Mexican, <laughs> so I got that. I got yeah, no, I am not a member of the Catholic Church uh, at this moment. Me um, neither, but, you know, it's, were you confirmed? Were you baptized? Conf I was confirmed. Um, Olympias was my... Okay. Confirmation name. Yeah. Wow. I chose it out of what? spite because I wanted to. I wanted my God. namesake to be Francis of Assisi, but I was told I had to pick a female. 
So you picked up. So a, I just picked a, a random archaic guy. I literally just picked a random Orthodox female saint. Like, I was like, oh, I, did, I started Orthodox Church because like I was like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, Protestants don't have to do all. You don't have to do all that yeah. fancy dance. Yeah, we're, we're all about the saints because it's, it's thinly veiled paganism from when they had to convert the you know <laughs> the Celts over to Christianity. Oh, thinly gosh. veiled. Thin. Thinly veiled. <laughs> it, 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 there is a lot of pageantry to it. And, yes, and it's just, I, I always compare it to like. Ricola. Like, <laughs> that's what I hear in the Catholic Church. Oh my God, that's so true. Because like, because like, you go to a Baptist church, it's a totally different vibe with the music. It's a, and you go to a Protestant church, it's like, yeah, I'm on my knees. Yeah, Protestants are. Well, see, that's so, so that that kind of that's Praise a good segue to like very nerdy. We're like very <laughs> hippie. It's, like we we don't have. It's very nice. Yeah, like, it's, it's a very nice like like Baptist. Well. I didn't realize <laughs> that, that, how old fashioned other Christians saw Catholics until I went to public school oh, yeah, no. and that's when like protestant my protestant friends would be like oh so do you like do like the weird like chanting <laughs> stuff and stuff like i mean like they honestly like the way that i think catholics look at Eastern or eastern orthodox or something mm. is the way that like protestants look at catholics because yeah. they think that we do all this weird like ritualism or stuff mm. and it's kind of like very foreign mm -hmm. seeming to them and very yeah, like, like not americanized to, not to put it in perspective right, like we barely ever talked about sin the devil or hell that was like not really wow, that's present. All we and I don't, about I don't know if every, I don't know if it was like present like that in every UCC church. I loved my UCC church, um, but it was like, like really kind of like very hippie kind of vibe. Like I went out to Colorado, and that's where I wrote my first song. Like they, they, the. That was just it. Nice. That was so. I, it was I, like a mission trip or something. It, it wasn't even that. We just like were hiking in the mountains trying to get close to God. That's awesome. That's cool though. And it was yeah, awesome. That's and like I, the greatest thing ever. That's so cool. There's no Catholic retreats into the mountain trying to get close to God. <laughs> like, I now just realized why I write about the devil so much in my music. My early, my early Catholic uh, upbringing. We've had that that kind of funny like thing in our set list where it's like we'll be playing two blues songs and we'll be like I don't know if we should play these two next to each other because they're, they're both, both about, about the, devil the devil and they're both written by me. <laughs> <laughs> or they're both like in a blues structure. It's like. I'll I'll write a melancholy one with the devil, like mm. like a hey Mister Tambourine Man kind of take on the devil, uh -huh. and then we can play Devil Come Around. And so two different <laughs> that's styles. That's our single that's on Spotify's Devil Come right. Around. I, I wrote that one. Good um, plug, yeah. That's a good one. Is that the latest single? Oh uh, yeah, that was yeah, actually our second recorded. Let's let's yeah. play it. Let's play it. Let's let's do it, and then let's talk about it. We'll come right back.
birds got scales, the fish got wings, and I know one thing, the world gone upside down, got my stand up, Secret, or don't you tell rich man? You know he comes straight from hell. Now angels let the time devil come around, and now the world gonna upside down. You know the daddy crow. Watch him go to sleep. Tell the rich man, you know he coming straight from hell. Now angels left the town, devil come around, and now the world gonna upside down. Now they coming, now they coming, and you no use in running. They hold it down your feet. sounded great that, <laughs> that was an amazing song guys fun. could you guys go so like you were saying devil and so I, mean, I just can you tell me more about the song or whatever you want to say about it um okay so um i 
love sort of, um, how do I put this? Um, devil iconography in like the blues, mm-hmm. like Robert Johnson, yeah. you know, going to the train to crossroads or whatever and selling his soul to the devil. Like I'm intrigued by that sort of um, like characterization of like you kind of sell your soul to like be able to do something great sort of a thing. But then on top of that, it's sort of um, like the devil actually doesn't show up in the Bible except for that one moment where he tests Jesus mm. um, on, yeah. the, on the at the de- in the desert or something like that. <laughs> wherever that's at, Where, yeah. wherever that is. And um, well, what I what it I takes thought, him to multiple. Well, locations, so then I took so. a, uh, then I took a class in folklore on tricksters and heroes, mm. and we talked about this and like where's the source? You know, where does where does the devil exist? Because it's not actually written anywhere in the Old Testament. Um, and so, but then you have, you know, pieces like Milton's Paradise Lost, where, like, Satan is the, or Lucifer, excuse me, Lucifer is the protagonist. Okay. So he's actually, like, just someone fallen from grace or something, but not necessarily inherently evil. And so I'm sort of fascinated by, like, I love, I love, like, ethnomusicology, I love folklore, I like watching sort of the trail of, like, how we get from point A to point B of yeah. our interpretations of different characters. Uh-huh. Um, I come from like a family that's really, really rich in oral history. I was like told stories of my my forebears like in a narrative form. Yeah. And I've memorized like that's not written down anywhere. That's but amazing. I've, it's been passed down. And so um, yeah, I took this class and I was like just sort of fascinated, but basically they came to the conclusion that that devil was this character sort of invented along the way to sort of help guide people's behavior to guide especially children like you tell children sort of these um folklore stories where you know somebody's traveling through the woods and then they 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 come across the devil and the devil's trying to tempt them and then they have to sort of figure out how to get away from it and find the light of god and um not that i'm super religious or anything but i like the idea that that it's a learning tool and that it's like these characters exist throughout all history and in all sorts of cultures there's devil characters all over the world yeah um I don't know, and well, I like and the plus, idea of it. Just, well, and plus, like, the devil and God, especially in this country, it has such a huge impact on, like, you know, a lot of the decisions that right. can be made. So, like, you are inundated in this religious culture, even though we're supposed to be separate of churches today, but we don't have to go there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, no, it's part of the culture of which we were raised. You're Catholic. I mean, like, right. it, there's, of course, going to be this interest towards it. And it right. is fascinating. It is fascinating to, to see... I, I do like that idea of like mm-hmm. uh, of this being who was like an angel who have fell from grace. Like that is a great story, and like that is a story you see throughout everywhere. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, normally I, d- I portray the devil differently in some of my different music. I have verses that are maybe different. Devil come around is um, it's it was originally sort of I wrote it right after the twenty sixteen election. Um, so it does get political. So it gets a little. It, it is a little. It's a little bit political, but I think it's grown to something bigger because it's not just about that. It's more about like the larger sort of patterns that we watch our political process go through. Mm-hmm. That it's a cyclical sort of thing, yeah, and there's yeah. all you know. We we go into different regimes of different political parties, um, and that it's not you know that it it's a cycle, and we sort of act as this. It's like this really really apocalyptic thing, but it's. You know, because I'm a historian, you know, I, that, I see it happen millions of times throughout right. the course of history. So it's really nothing that, that worries me that much in terms of, like, the, in terms of the environment. Like, I think we're fucked if we don't do something now, <laughs> yeah. obviously. But um, in terms of, like, the cycle of people gaining and losing power, you know, regimes rise and they fall. Like, yeah. it's not, it's the circle of life. Yeah. And I think 
to touch on that the, the song itself and maybe straying away from the politics of it, musically speaking, what we started with was like a blues gothic yeah. kind of song. But then when we went in the studio, what Devante and uh, JP did oh with, God, with, yeah. with it was amazing because they basically, I don't know if you're familiar with the group Tame Impala. I'm not. It, that's kind of, they're, I don't even know how to ex- describe them necessarily. They're like an indie kind of rock group, a little bit futuristic. They have like, it's just the way that they played almost gave it that kind of a vibe. Mm. So it wasn't necessarily like a roots rock anthem. And when you hear it, I feel like you hear it sounds differently from that Mm. because of their take on the rhythm, because of their uh, take on the timing and the pace of the song. It just, it's, it's not just a jaunty, Mm-hmm. bluesy goth gothic kind of song yeah, anymore it had it like a little bit more. of more heaviness to it you yeah. know kind of get that real almost like this is a weird take on it but like a prison march kind of feel yeah you yeah know? like a chain gang that's yeah, why I was I love like, it. Mad, kinda. yeah that's awesome so with uh with Devante and you said JP's the drummer mm-hmm. yeah. I take it yeah um because there is a lot of songs where it's just you I well, on the last album uh, New Bedford yeah the because that's the only thing I, I really listen to. Um, there's a lot of songs where it's just you and stuff. So, yeah. like, the, the idea of bringing in Devante and, like, kind of, like, it, did that sort of change your sound and how you, like, started writing it, and stuff? They, they, everybody who I play with has definitely changed the way that I play. Because, again, when I started out about, I don't know, I've been playing for six years now. But when I started out, it was very sad kind of somber, melancholy folk music that it was just by myself. Like, I, my first album was called um, Folk Song Singing Cliché, mm-hmm. and I just have a lot of songs about, like, kind of personal torment or what have you. And um, New Bedford, I got signed to a little record label, and we we did a record. Oh, and, cool. Um, what's, the, what's the record label? That, that was, that, uh, it was called Marmite. It was. Uh, it's yeah, no longer. It's in... no longer in operation. But, but they funded your record. They funded my record. That's where you got New Bedford from. So now this record will be the first one that includes all of us. And we've been friends for, you know, years now. We've played with each other for over a year now. Yeah. Uh, and the sound that we've come up with, I feel like is the most special yet. And I <laughs> like I, I want to kind of blow the last two out of the water. And, just, yeah. Just, yeah. Just forget they were ever not that, I, <laughs> not that I'm... Not that I'm... abandoning your children. I get yeah, it. It's, it's I get like... It. Uh, I see who you are. It, it's like kind of once uh, some once you finish a project, it's best not to, to dwell in it as something to like... Revel in or yeah. something. Yeah. Once yeah. it's done, it's Just done. You had your moment. Yeah. It's so fun. You don't go back and listen to your old stuff? I do, and I get mad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... I do that, I that too. That I feel I, I, all yeah. I have are my voice memos on my phone, but I yeah. go back and I'm like, oh, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like you, you needed more vocal control back then. Oh, yeah. But that's good, But that's good, right? Because you're like, I needed more vocal control. It's like I needed to write better or whatever it is it's like i need to like hit that fucking bass run better you know so like listening (laughs) to your own music is like i know it's like some people are like uh, you know it's like narcissistic or something to listen to your own music but it's like i think it's like the biggest learning tool you have in getting to know yourself as an artist it's like when you're like you know when sports teams watch themselves yeah exactly you're watching the the game footage yeah yeah Yeah. i I do it all the time a sports team (laughs) (laughs) one of them there sport ball people. His football. 
Um, yeah, the, so with this new album, do you guys got any of the songs done? Like, is, is there anything we could play? We've got stuff that you that, that Tom's written, um, yeah. like Bully. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's almost kind of like a, it's been like an obsessive process yeah. for me because I've been writing up this one Google document right. and all these different well, we, songs. But we have, you have a couple. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, well, because I write too, but I, I haven't been... We haven't been playing my songs, cause, you know. We've been predominantly uh, like, like, because you have all these brilliant songs written, like Poppy Seed, and um, you know, yeah, I know, right? Like Poppy Seed, Spaceships, like some really, really amazing, <laughs> amazing things. Song. So I've been, Hi. I've been feeling more satisfied, like working on his stuff, like for that, for that reason. At least I don't know about you, Devante. I, I just feel like, um, you know, I really enjoyed Tom's writing, and so. Mm. I, I kind of like that we built our sound around that as a as a as a group. I I occasionally will pop out a song or two, but because I've been in school, it's been yeah kind of whatever. So I think we'll add a few of mine on yeah. there. But um, so so you, know. you guys are in the writing process right now. There's nothing like you haven't gone to the studio. And it's mostly anything. written. It's just my stuff. That's yeah. Like. It's like um, and that that's yeah because the we're so busy. A lot of us are, are extremely busy with our schedules and things that we communicate off of text. And, yeah, yeah, group and messages. It, yeah, so, I mean, we have, I, I, I'd say we have uh, 10 to 13 songs ready mm -hmm. that I would personally like to get done within 7 to 10 days. Yeah. Um, you like to go in and just knock it out. Yeah, because I, I, that's actually the last one that I did took over a year. Oh, yeah, I think did you do, were you tracking individually or did you try to do like live takes? Um, I was actually, the biggest problem was I was student teaching. I was, because see, before... The biggest problem <laughs> is that I had a job. I had, <laughs> I, I had a completely different career-oriented goal. of So I would go in every weekend and I would try to record as much as I can and when you're student teaching and stuff, eventually the student teaching gave way and I decided, hey, I want to try and make uh, music a full-time career, yeah. which I currently am still trying to do. I work for WLRS, uh, Wood Lane Residential Services. Oh, I, I thought it was a radio station. No, no, no. It's no. <laughs> actually hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's a good, but yeah, I work for a group home. They give me flexibility. Okay. I work with, with my music and then... Um, so that that's basically my life, and uh, I think that because of that flexibility now, we'll be able to get in the studio, like what we need to do, get it done in a very uh, compact time. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, it took over a year, yeah. and a lot of it came down to stuff like artwork mm -hmm. and and album covers and like yeah, oh what about this and that it. and like, but sonically speaking, it was it was there maybe when within five months. And that's still too long. Yeah. And I feel like some of the best records I've ever heard, I know there's stories about Miles Davis going in the studio and recording an album mm -hmm. within a matter of hours. Yeah, and just and Captain them out. Yeah, like, Captain Beefheart. <laughs> <laughs> Assholes. Like, I'm just like, I want to get there, man. No, <laughs> so I feel that's, you. That's I, definitely I, the plan. I, I always like I always say it's like, man, like those like like those producers yeah. like, who can just like shit out five songs a day, whatever, like Kanye West, whatever. <laughs> He's a fucking genius, but come on, Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you at, Kanye? I know. Uh, but um but like those guys who can just like shit music out and just like just out 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 output 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 it's like what where the fuck does that even come from because writing for me is like such a crazy process and it comes from every source possible you know like yeah like I've been using my loop station a lot and it's been helping me write tons of shit it's been mm -hmm. um, what what's some of the ways like you jumpstart your brain or or does or do you usually have an idea when you go into some 
No, I usually think that I'm always not going to be able to write anything ever again after I'm done with something. <laughs> well, but that's then, never going to happen. But the thing is, I always, like, I feel, I feel like if I have the time to at least write a verse, which I started four or five songs last week mm. that all ended because I couldn't get past the first verse. But as long as I keep on doing that, as long as I say, all right, I got about 15 minutes, maybe I can make something here, then it'll, it'll naturally come. It just kind of organically mm. comes like that. But there's never really an idea. Okay, so you never sit down with, like, you don't have, like, a melody. You're not like, hmm, 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 Not really. I mean, until I pick up the guitar yeah. and, and really try experiment. I can't really write away from my instrument. Hmm. Um, I think I can write better without it sometimes, but it's like got to be like right here uh-huh. Same. in order to free up my hands and not put the, the writing dependent on the flow of the music. Um, Are you mostly a guitarist? Yeah, and I play the mandolin. Oh, um, okay. I've messed around with like keyboard, cajon, banjo, but guitar and mandolin, rhythmically speaking, I'd say, not not lead. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really do much of that. That's okay. You got, you, you're you handling the main part is writing and playing and singing. That's, yeah, that's, but... Well, that's who everyone's paid attention to, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious because I am, I am the rhythm section. I, I'm a rhythm section player. Like, I, I, any time of the day, I could be playing guitar, bass, or keys. So, yeah. like, no one gives a fuck about me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. I, I know my role in a band. Is like I'm the guy in the back, and that's fine. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, D has a pretty cool story actually about that being a rhythm player, and sometimes he always says like when you play with a quartet or something, there's always a there's always like a lead player or like somebody on the side checks back, checks back at the time for you. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, sort of to sort of. I'm not countering you. You you play jazz. Yeah, yeah, jazz bass. That's where I'm from. We got we, we got we got band nerd here. It's good. <laughs> I like it. Um, again, I'm not gonna like challenge what you're saying or anything. But my <laughs> own, my own personal philosophy is like you're say, what you're saying is like Audubon gives a fuck about us. They're no, no, and I didn't mean I didn't mean I know, it in know. such a blunt, shitty way. For sure, for but sure. that's just how I, I talk. So I clarify that like. <laughs> Most people are honestly listening to the pocket. They're listening to the bass and the drums. Mm. They're listening okay, to okay. the groove. That's what like your, right, your spine body. is fucking responding right, to. Right, you know? right. And John Mayer's cute little lyrics are like, I like that up mm. here. But like, you know, when it comes down to it, like yeah. the root of it all is what, you know. It gives it a heartbeat. I, yeah. I, I definitely yes. feel I've like that. I've never like, thought about it like that. That is awesome. Can I just I'll I'll yeah, love that? I appreciate that's it. That's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't want to get you sick. Oh, no, no, no. Even for me being a guitar player, like, I've, I've never really been one to say that I like lead guitar. And a lot of the music that we play... I mean, we have other lead instruments. You have a very socialist way of playing. We all sort of like feed. I don't think there's any yeah. one of us that's like a lead. I can't really stand lead guitar in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. if I listen to... I'm so you're not a fan of Fish. No, I, <laughs> that's, it's really ironic you bring that up. Eric Bergeser, I'm going to tell you about that later. Sure. Because he's always just busting my chops for not liking fish. But, like, somebody like... Um, they, they, their vocals are terrible. I don't... But I would <laughs> say, like, even, like, Jimmy Page. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll listen to a Jimmy Page solo or, like, a, a classic rock solo, and I'm just like, there is no life in that. Hmm. I cannot get, I cannot, I was into like math rock and some emo guitar for a while, but Hmm. then I'm like, "Ah, that's all sonically the same thing. I tried to listen to Alan Holdsworth a lot, 
And I'm just like, oh, I'm not really, that's not me. I, I cannot get to that level. That is like a different dimension of guitar playing. Mm-hmm. I One of my favorite lead guitarists is actually in town. His name's Tom Cateray, and he plays mm-hmm. with Discount Nostalgia. They're a local band. But I love how, um, and Mike Bryce too, for that matter. And I think that the reason they're playing sticks out to me is because they know how to emotionally connect to the song through their guitar playing. Mm-hmm. They're not just a part of the music. Right. They're a part of the emotion. And that's what we try to do. I see what yeah. you're saying. And they're not just sort of like adding loud sounds yeah, no, in they... like this like syncretic order mm-hmm. uh, playing the same rhythm. Like, they're yeah. not just adding volume and like higher yeah, frequencies no. to get a response. They're 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 you gotta uh, have they're, to say they're you saying really something. They're singing. Yeah. They're talking with their guitar. Yeah. And like, especially yes. with Tom Cateray and his use of the pedal board. I know you mentioned you loved your I pedal, love board. pedal board. The like, way that Tom uses his is amazing. Uh, that's great. And yeah. uh, I'm just for a second. I just want to say pedal boards are amazing. And like <laughs> I love everything about a pedal board. I love the aesthetics. I love that it's a statement. I love that it's a fashion statement. That's a stylistic statement. Yeah. I love that. I love seeing people with like little boards that are just packed. I love like sparsely. I just love fucking effects yeah. and pedal boards. Not probably because I hide behind my effects a lot in my playing. <laughs> but it's cool though because when you're when you really just start like I don't have a pedal board, mm. but I'm starting to research that more and I'm like picking parts of my songs to where I'm like, huh. This could be a cool mm-hmm. effect right here. There could be a cool effect right there. And you kind of start highlighting areas that you're playing to where like different tones and effects could be put into such good use right. that they can make the song more than you originally thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, you know? using, using effects tastefully, in my mind, is way more effective than just like hitting distortion and just, blah, like you were saying. Yeah. I love Jimmy Page. I love Led Zeppelin, but like... I mean, you're right. He's just fucking. He's just repeating phrases and like in higher frequencies to make things louder, to just uh, to, to elicit a response from the crowd. I also when you break to it say, down, though, some... he is so much better than me, and I'm not going right. to fight with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> the dude is. Be- I've had fights. I don't, think Page, I don't think you gotta worry about Jimmy Page coming back and biting you in your ass. I don't know, man. <laughs> Greta Van Fleet might just do that. Oh for my me. god. I'm sorry. Uh, no, Greta. That's like the discussion every musician's talking about right now. It's like, Red Eflin, she's a Led Zeppelin ripoff. It's like, yeah, of course they are, but they're doing their thing. I don't give a shit. Tallest man on earth is kind of a Bob Dylan ripoff. I'm technically a Townsman's Ant ripoff. Hmm. So, I mean, there's always a ripoff. But, I mean, nothing's original. Speak for yourself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am a ripoff of nobody. No, I'm an original. I mean, I, I, like, back to the rhythm discussion. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I would agree with Devontae. I feel like, um... At least the way I write my music, so I'm a I'm predominantly a, a, a guitar player, but I I played piano before that from like ages five to like fourteen. You know, I mean, like I was stuck on this one instrument, and then I sort of dis- rediscovered guitar in in high school, and was like, okay, this is my instrument. Like I feel like a heartbeat with this, and so I was doing kind of singer songwriter stuff, and it wasn't until our my work, you know, once you guys kind of brought me into the um, uh, Freight Street sort of stuff that I finally felt like my music sounded the way that I envisioned I envisioned it because it was so hard for me to hear where I wanted it to go until like people like Devontae and JP were able to collaborate. I can really feel like a heartbeat mm-hmm. in the music. And then that, for me, was like that clicked. And yeah. then we sort of like coalesced this good like sound. But I like the way that we don't... None of us like lead. We sort of take, either take turns or something because I'm personally... I. 
I did the whole like solo thing when I was a lot younger, like through high school. Um, a lot younger, what, like five years ago, like three years ago? <laughs> yeah. what are, you're 21, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, like, so like, it was maybe like eight years ago, I would oh, say. Wow. You know, like, you were I was, like playing out? Yeah, I was doing like open mics and stuff like that. That's awesome. And it was like, um, it was all right, but I, I gotta be honest, I actually super hate being the center of attention. Hmm. So I think that being, like, that's what collaboration has done for me. It sort of yeah, allows yeah. me to, like, cultivate my own confidence within, like, this larger group so that mm. I don't have to be the lead. I really like it when other people are, like, working together as opposed to, like, one person. And, right. And it's kind of funny if you do see us play, oftentimes there's not really yeah, a front man. There really isn't. I trip over my words. <laughs> and have embarrassed myself in front of more people than I can ca- like I'll play a song and I'll feel good about it then I'll say something like oh I'm a self-taught whistler <laughs> how cool was that joke and mm-hmm. I'll think that everybody's Crickets. in on it but my friends will be and our we told friend, him so many times to not do his stand up during our shows yeah like it's <laughs> it's just not so that's why basically if if any of us talk it's like we don't really have a front man mm-hmm. we we don't need it everybody we, we just share like he'll, yeah. he'll be like switching guitars and he like looks at me and he kind of gives me like You're a hand like, and he's like hey vamp. vamp yeah I need you to vamp and then and then and Devante will do the same he'll be like Flynn tell him the story about something like tell him about the devil I don't know yeah. <laughs> and then you know something will happen and um you know and it kind of confuses the crowd. It I confuses think, the crowd like, so much. You guys seem really disorganized. <laughs> well, it's so funny, you know, because because I don't know. I, I feel like Tom and I our st- our talking style is like we sort of um, it's very informal, right? So it's not it's not that it's not that polished. We like kind of stumble through it a and little I bit. And I mumble a and lot. You, you like, mumble, I mumble and I every word. I stand there and I'm just like, uh, so because uh, I wasn't expecting to speak because I, <laughs> I like to not have to speak. It's like, uh, so you know, uh, when we're uh, writing this song, you know, and then the crowd's just like, all right. And then I'll just be mumbling to myself, like, like <laughs> So, not good speaking, but pretty good music. Yeah. That, but that's okay. I mean, you, that's not what we're hired for, right? We're not hired here to, like, say stuff. I mean, sometimes, but... I didn't come to be the keynote speaker right, exactly. the Democratic like, National I have Convention. A, yeah, <laughs> I have a song, and I'm going to play it the best that we can, and then I'm going to leave, okay? And on, give, on yes, real cut me my check, I'm going. We're oh, just I serving get, the music. That's I, have, I have social anxiety. I can't do it after the show. I have to leave immediately. I can't speak to people. It's, it's a rough game. It's rough. I love uh, I love Martin Medeski and Woods quote. I saw them at the jazz festival a long time ago, the Detroit Jazz Festival that they have every year. Yeah. Um, which this year I saw Esperanza Spalding. I'm so wow. angry that I missed that, dude. You have no clue, bro. Yeah. I I love Esperanza. She's just she's just really everything. Um, <laughs> anyways, anyways, it was at the jazz festival, and it was just a quick quote, and it just stuck with me forever. It's just like we don't have much to say. Oh. We don't have much to say. We only know how to play, and like that kind of like translates to a lot of musicians because a lot of musicians are like just nerds who are just in their bedroom like playing and like yeah. writing and doing their thing, yeah. and then you get them out in front of people. And if you're not like a inherently like a front person or like you know like because there is something different about a front person than there is about a rhythm person. Like yeah. I, you guys know, like mm-hmm. right? Like there is definitely yeah. an attitude. Good or bad, whatever it is, there's something different. And if you don't feel that inherently, then it comes off like that. So, yeah. like, I, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. like, I, I know how to play. 
Although it's been weird for me because like in this new band that I'm playing with, uh, Green Acre Session, they totally put a mic in front of me and are like, just talk, just say stuff. And oh so God. like it's left they left me unfettered and like I'm unabridged just up there talking to people. And then sometimes like I just go in because because from the podcast, I've just learned to just sort of vamp. I can just yeah. go. And then, like, <laughs> I'll start somewhere, and I'm ending up in some weird place, and the crowd is just, like, getting what? more uncomfortable. That's the worst <laughs> feeling when you're, like, looking out. This and... <laughs> is, like, and then, like, they're, like, okay, you can stop. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, because you're a musician, the the greatest thing that you have to say is what you brought to play. Right, exactly. exactly. Like, the like, music just, is what you have just, to say. Just listen. Yeah. I'm sorry that I said that thing that made you uncomfortable. <laughs> One of my favorite songwriters uh, in Toledo, he's now in Kentucky, but A.S. Coomer, one of the best things that he ever does in his set is he just plays his songs, and the only thing I think I'll ever hear him say is he'll just say, thanks for not throwing shit, and just <laughs> keep playing it. And I love it, because yeah. he's just letting his songs speak to the audience. He doesn't have anything to say other than what he plays. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. I think that leaves the audience... I think that it's good to interact with the crowd a lot of times. Yeah. But some of the times you don't need to. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. all you need to do is play. Yeah. That's and that's strong yeah. for some people. Uh, my wife, who is a, who is an awesome performer, and she is a front person, and she does carry that attitude, <laughs> not in a bad way, most of the time. Um, but <laughs> I'll just play. Um, but she's very interactive, and if she doesn't get that response from the crowd, she starts getting anxious. And so she will, like, she not force herself. She's just very graceful with it. But, like, I've seen, I, to watch her, like, win a, over a room is, like, inspiring. Because, like, mm-hmm. it, it was the same way. It, and I got that same vibe with Billy Strings at Hookahville. Yeah. Like, when I walked up to it, um, Billy Strings, they were just playing their thing. And people were there, and they were grooving. But, but you can tell, like, a crowd's all talking. They're sort of, like, hanging out with their friend. I yeah. mean, you've played to a crowd who is just yeah. indifferent to what's going on mm-hmm. on yeah. stage, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the vibe I got. And then um, he fucking... I, I want, and Like, you could see it happening. Like And plus, I was real high on hallucinogens uh, so like whatever whatever uh, whatever i saw might have just been all in my head but i did i mean like i know the feeling and i've seen it before and and so like I, i'm pretty sure it was real but you could see it the computations happening in his head yeah and like he was just like you know fuck these guys and then he just took him for a ride and then and i was with that ride and yeah it was amazing it's always amazing to me to see uh see someone take over a room that was not interested yeah uh, it's like like uh stand-ups when they have like when they have like a, a whole night of just everyone's bombing and they're all professional comedians who all these jokes have worked everywhere all up across the country but yeah. all night and then to see that one Probably comic because they went to Boston <laughs> <laughs> nothing lands in Boston well a big huge comedy scene came out of Boston actually in, yeah. the, in the 90s in the 80s uh, there was a huge comedy scene there it's Co- comedy or commie Co- <laughs> <laughs> no I just, it's I, just all about I was perspective. told I was told that for some reason Boston's a really tough crowd nowadays that's what I, 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 really, I don't know I don't know either I, I, I don't know anything really other than about stand up other than what I hear on podcasts so uh, I'm not a stand up uh, but I was just using that as like to see yeah, no. someone win over a room. I right. think is like awesome. And I have a lot of respect for stand up comedians who can do that because and you'll hear some of their techniques. Sometimes they'll just be really quiet. They won't say anything. They'll just smile at the crowd and kind of try to trick them 
mm-hmm. into getting a, a reaction. Almost like Andy Kaufman was like mm. that. If you guys are familiar with Andy yeah. Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went but down that like rabbit hole. But he's like different. He's it's not the same. But like he he's went, like trolling before yeah, trolling. Yeah, exactly. Was a he thing. was more of a troll. That's kind of a bad example. But you're right. Like they'll go up there and just be silent and just sort of like kind of like get responses just or the like, famous David Letterman skit where he's basically just asking for money from the crowd <laughs> but he didn't need it like but he's acting like he needs help uh, really yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like, My wife just mo- like you watch it you're like I don't know if I can laugh at that right now is he serious and then you go on to find that he's just trolling yeah he's just yeah. doing his thing that's funny yeah fucking trolls yeah <laughs> um uh, there's just man, I w- I've been having these conversations with my wife about um, creativity and what it means to like what music is for a creative person or what art is for a creative person and like how um, how like music or art is kind of like a psychopathy. It's sort of this compulsion, this need to do something over and over and over and over again. Uh, it, but unlike like obsessive compulsive disorder or you know I don't know internet porn compulsions, whatever it is, whatever your compulsion <laughs> that escalated is. escalated quickly. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying, I was just yeah. using it, whatever it is, yeah. right, right, you putting your time into art, at least, like, input is going to equal some kind of output. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, sitting in front of a computer staring at pornography all day, you're just going to have, like, neglected family members and... <laughs> you're not going to feel No good. bills or what? yeah, you're not feeling good of it. So, but, nonetheless, <laughs> it is sort of this, like, neurosis, like, this thing you have to do all the time, and so it kind of ties in with, like, your own personal neurosis and like it's sort of an outlet for that and i think mike bryce touched on that where he was talking about songwriting in the last Um, podcast he said that like for him songwriting he he did it for his album but it's not always like he needs to do it and then he touched on me and he kind of hit it on the head i don't really write unless I just kind of want to write. Right. And then it ends up I'll write all the time. Right, but you probably touch your instrument uh, at least once a week, right? Uh, feel. Every day, try yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a feel, a need, a compulsion. Yeah. So yeah. where I was going was more like, um, it's more of like, um, it's like a stream, like an outlet for like this river of like whatever your neurosis is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so you need these sort of outlets for most artists and so like i was talking to her about like what would you be what would your attributes the the worst attributes about yourself that you don't like yeah like for instance i get anxious i, I can get angry for no reason it's stupid depression um so like all I, I was just trying to think like if i didn't have these outlets this other compulsion to sort of like put my time into like yeah. where would this be where who would i be and I know this question has been posited a lot for a lot of musicians. Like, where would you be without music? But, like, to really think about, like, what, like, really is fucked up about myself and, yeah. like, to think about where that would be. And, like, and I was, like, I came to the conclusion. I was, like, I think I'd be, like, a creepy dude. I think, yeah. I mean, and I don't think, not, like, not, like, not, like, rapey or anything. I'm not, no, I'm sorry. I'm not no, trying to be that, funny at no, all. I'm, I'm like, funny. really being serious. Like, no, yeah. I think I would just be like that creepy, socially awkward guy who's just sort of in the corner, like sweating and staring. Right. I don't know. Like, I, I'm not violent, and I, you know, I'm not. But I, I feel like if I didn't have this outlet 
that that's sort of what would be accentuated. And my mm. wife was like, I would just be a corporate shark, just like fucking killing it. Wow. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have I a boyfriend. I'd just I be running. I'd so be bad. running through dudes like fuck you, fuck them mm. and leave them. And like I'd just be taking shit over. I'm like, okay, tight. <laughs> I feel like I feel like with that music, I I'd, I'd probably. I mean, my sense of self worth would plummet. Oh, I mean, for, for me, I mean, well, just because. So, is this something that you've dealt with a lot? So, I don't know. I mean, I know this. I know this could, this could get into uncomfortable territory. So, if you're not comfortable, no, with it, it's that's all fine. right. I, you know, I, I, I mean, okay. The way I think of music now is I probably use it as like a meditative tool. It's a place mm -hmm. where I can clarify my thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, like, like writing, like yeah. writing music is a way of clarifying. I'm really into poetry. I'm. It, it's a way of of forcing me to boil down things into small formats so that it's understandable and then I go oh that was the source of my pain like that yeah. was the source of my anxiety and um it give it's therapy it's like I mm -hmm. you know um but I would say looking back and the role that music has played in my life like I've you know I just sort of came out like in grade school or whatever like at a talent show or something and just started sort of singing and playing piano and um that was like my big, like, oh my God, Flannery has a talent. Like she can do something. Yeah. Um, and prior to, I mean, like, like you know, I was doing well in school, but you know, I didn't feel special. Mm -hmm. Which this sounds, this sounds super selfish. This sounds horribly selfish. Which is probably also a part of me that I hate, which is the selfishness mm -hmm. of like my craft, which is that it makes me feel a little bit more like a protagonist in my own story. Mm. Which, if I were to pick a motto, though, for my for my own life lesson to teach myself and everybody, it's like, you are not the protagonist. Like, you're some side story in somebody else's, like, novel, okay? You you, you are not important. Um, but, then, like, you're not important. No, I mean, and I, I mean, and well, and I see that, like, you know, I'm a photographer, right? And so there's, like, portrait photography, and I'll look at that, and I'll be like, I'm not interested in that because... On one flip side, you can look at that and be like, oh, because I see how this person has a life that's as intricate and, and decisive as my own. And I'm like, I see literally the flip side of that is that they have a life as boring and mundane and, like, worthless as my own. Which is a really dark thing to think about, like, your own self-worth. But, for so like, music is a place where I exist for that moment in time. Um, mm. I feel like I actually exist. And that's... Um, Without that, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't feel that way. I have friends that aren't musically inclined. They struggle, you know, they're like, they have other things, but they haven't pursued them because they just sort of feel worthless and they've dropped out of school and they've like not given up. They're just like, they're still trying to figure it out. They're struggling mm -hmm. because they, they don't have that thing that they can do where they feel like they exist. Wow. I 1000% agree with you, Flan, yeah. <laughs> like in so many ways. Without music, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't exist either. Like honestly, I, I find it is some... like we wrap our identity in this. Yeah, whole fucking it, yeah, rap thing, which is for crazy. better or worse, sometimes you know it just really becomes that. And for me, I see music as like sort of like a way to truth. And I know this is gonna probably mm. sound really hippy to some people, but whatever. Right. Like you know, I I'm very ADD. I'm very all over the place as a person. You know, and when I was a little one, it was worse because I had like no handle on. I was completely like ah, everything, you know, I wanted to draw, I wanted to write stuff, I wanted to play music. And music was the most tangible thing at the time that I could do because I was getting lessons from it. We had a piano in the house and everything. And the more I dived into that, the more I sort of felt like this is true. Like when I, when I feel good playing this, this is the best feeling I have. This connects me to something more, something greater than anything that I'm doing right mm -hmm. now. You know, it's not even down to the instrument. Like, yes, I love my cello and that's, you know, my child. But like, it's even beyond the physical 
representation of a cello, it's what that cello is doing, yeah. how me and that instrument are connecting, what I'm producing from that, you know? And playing with, playing music, you know, I feel it's not really playing to me, it's more literally kind of just talking to it, having a conversation with it. And I know a lot of these sound cliche because many musicians have said this time and time again, but I really, it just does feel like that. It's kind of like, how are you today? And like, yeah. whenever I'm playing, and you know, of course there are times where you're doing a gig at a place and you're like, oh man, you know? But even <laughs> yeah. at those gigs, even when I'm like, my head's bumping and I'm hungry and tired and I hate this place and no one's listening, yeah. and you're like, you know, it's not terrible. You know, it's, no. it's not the worst thing ever. I'd much rather that than a lot of stuff I've cubicle? done, like fucking Has anybody bullshit. Ever not in a cubicle? Not, it's uh, not, I was a sales guy from ah. an extermination <laughs> company. So I'm sorry, I interrupted. Retail, you know, I work that, and, and yeah. it's like, this is nothing to me. Yeah. Like, my my spirit is like, I quit. I'm done for the day whenever yeah. you do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whenever you get some music, come back on, you know? Like, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> so I flip back. on, I flip back, you know? That's yeah. what it is. So that's sort of my relationship. Do you, with do it. you uh, are you full time musician or do you do you work? Do you have a day job? I have, I have a day job, you Sweet. know, sort of. You know, it's like a part time job, but everything else that I do is music slash art related and stuff. And I'm out here trying to draw comics and shit. That's that's secondary. awesome. You're an artist. Yeah. You're you're also, no, don't call me. You're <laughs> don't also call me a writer. Though. He's a writer. Don't no, he's call fantastic. me a writer either. I try to write things. And <laughs> do you? So do you put them out? Do you have a blog? Or I, no, not yet. No, it's not you even. Should. That's right. But I'm 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 working. I'm in the lab. Let's you say. You should, man. You fucking I. I always tell people, like, because people who say is like, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, it's like, it's just fucking put it out there, man. Like, it is, I know it's weird, especially writing is so vulnerable. Like, to me, singing and, like, writing is so vulnerable. Like, actually writing, like, a story or yeah. something, you know. To me, that's super vulnerable in writing or in singing only because I'm not great at it. If I was good at it, obviously, I'd be like, oh, that's the best, but, like... Yeah, man, it's, it's a vulnerable thing. And, like, the only way to get past, like, these vulnerable, like, feelings that are fighting you to get past, you know, to, to like, go forward mm -hmm. is to just expose yourself, like, rip it off. It's, like, it's the worst, but it's, it's just, like, ripping the Band-Aid off, man. It's the only way I've known. Like, like, I don't like singing, and I posted a thing where I was singing, and I look at the video, and I'm, like, trying not to... I'm swallowing back my vomit, and this is just, like, the worst thing I've ever... And, like, the faces I'm making. I don't even like the face I'm making. Like, who the fuck are you? Like, why are you making that face and singing like you're really doing something? But after I did that, and I know it's just a post and shit, and it's just Instagram, whatever, but... Like, it did make me feel a little better about it. And, and now I'm singing with that Green Acre Session band, so I'm doing backup. <laughs> That's the only reason why I have a microphone in front of me is because they were like, you got to sing, too. I'm like, oh, all right. So <clears throat> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle, but yeah, man, fuck yeah. That's awesome. You write, and what's the comics? Like, what's the idea about the comics? I'm just working on some stuff right now. It's kind of like more anime-inspired, more like sci-fi-inspired stuff than I'm. Like I said, I'm just tooling in the lab right now. That's awesome. But maybe the next what's time. Your, what's your cartoon? Which anime do you like? Oh, what animes do I like? I mean, oh god, <laughs> I don't want to have like, this conversation. I liked, uh, what's, what Death Note was amazing. Oh I yeah, Death Note. oh my god, I love Death Note. Uh, like, I used to watch Cowboy Bebop. A oh bit. my god, I love Cowboy um, Bebop, dude. The soundtrack to that alone, amazing. Is just, just, it's so good. A lot of music in anime. Is yeah, amazing. it's just oh, yeah. like this like, down tempo, oh, almost gosh. like like hip hoppy, like jazz. It is jazz, very much jazz inspired. Samurai Champloo too, with the hip hop vibe to it. Oh my god, My Hero Academia is like the one that I got into. And so. Where I can hear my best friend like I squealing. Love Brotherhood. <laughs> yes. SMA Brotherhood. Uh, okay, so you know, I know we got off topic there, but so so uh, 
Tom, well, where do you think you'd be? What, what, what thing about you that is sort of like a neurosis that would be accentuated or exacerbated or even, or be even affected if music was, wasn't part getting of Getting into uncharted territory. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, like you want no deep I, dark I sadness. I, would, I don't think I would be in school. I think at a point I became more of like a double major, and that other part of the major that I was studying was music, mm. because I think I my focus shifted to that. So I wouldn't be in school. What did you go into school for? Uh, special education. Oh, okay. But so, I think music kept me in it. Yeah. Um, and I think that I used it as a uh, two. There are two really important components to it for me, and that's escapism, and uh, just passion. I think that if you do a survey of going up to, it's such a weird question, but if you went up to a hundred random people and said, what is your passion in life? I think that a lot of people might have trouble finding that. I think, I think I'm do. very yeah. lucky in You're having the right. fact that I'm extremely passionate about uh, art. And I think that we all are if we're involved in this. Um, aside from that, using it as a escapism, I think is kind of something that's a little bit different. I kind of lose my mind a lot of the time focusing on the world and kind of like my own uh like less impact i'm not a very impact as a sole individual i don't really have any impact on the world around me but i keep on watching current events pass by every day so i get really angry for example when i see singer songwriters write a song about like a, a protest song after an event because i feel like they're kind of using that terrible event mm -hmm. to promote themselves rather than speak was truthfully. It, was it Alan Jackson right after 9 Yeah, like he's a perfect example. But I, I see it every day, and I feel like the way that I, I think of music is, for one, it has to sound good, and two, it has to help me escape from something. And for those two things to happen, I mean, it, a lot of times it will become kind of a psychological writing environment it'll be something that i sometimes don't even write about myself but imagine a story in my head that i can relate to or emotionally i'm inclined to feel something towards mm -hmm. i feel like it just it's also made me feel very more open about sharing my emotions not very closed off i think that uh, mental health wise i'm extremely a better person than i was ever going to be in high school or uh, with dreams of trying to play college football or or boxing or I don't I don't see how I would have grown intellectually without music hmm. and I feel like if I didn't have it I would be working and there's nothing wrong with this but I would be working a nine to five for about 60 hours a week looking forward to the weekend watching my favorite team on TV and that's it and then I have holidays and events with music it gives me something to where there's always a new experience. And a lot of it sucks. A lot of it is self-depression and, and doubt yeah. and, and not feeling good. But there's also kind of like a certain magic about it to where like you're in Richmond, Indiana, mm -hmm. and you just made a new friend. Yeah. And it's so weird to make a new friend as an adult. But with music, you can do that all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And not a lot of people can say that. So I think for me, it's... It gives me something I'm extremely passionate about, and it gives me something to escape from the real world. So. 
when in high school did, or in your adolescence, did you consider yourself like a lonely kid? Oh, yeah, I didn't have a group. I didn't have, I, I mean, like I had friends. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of friends and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily like an outcast. But if I talk to somebody at school during the day, and my parents listen to this, they're going to feel like, oh, man. Cause, I failed. No, <laughs> but they would always ask me, did you have a good day today, Tom? And I would say, yeah. But yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of times it was that, you know, if I had a conversation with somebody during the day, even at the lunch table, that made it a good day. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I, a lot of times I would go through the day and people would think I was angry because of my face. <laughs> and I would get like a 9 out of 45 on a math test and like yeah. it, everything didn't start to change until I took a creative writing course mm-hmm. and then I got into honors English then all of a sudden I started to find like an uh, academic route that changed high school for me I still almost didn't walk but I got out of high school went to college and I mean yeah and I in high school I was totally just your average kind of kid who's kind of lonely and mm. looking for meaning. So. Yeah, me too, man. And, yeah. and, and yeah. especially the thing that I was able to kind of rely on was um, I can be quick-witted. I mean, when I was in high school, I was just obnoxious, fat, sweaty kid. But, like, that worked. I was yeah. like, the fa- I mean, Chris Farley was on top of the world at the time. So, like, <laughs> yeah. fat, sweaty guy fucking slid right in. So, <clears throat> it's weird because, like, I had this, like, weird um, juxtaposition in, in high school because, like, at some point, I was, like, very lonely and sad and depressed and just with my guitar or whatever and drums and then like, and then I started realizing I was like, oh, I can make people laugh. And then so I sort of like slid into like the cool kids, but like, not really. Yeah. It was weird. Who, who it, actually was cool and right. you know we look back and we're like, oh my god, yeah. those kids now are like the worst people. <laughs> I ever, ever. Like it's just it, it's funny what you find important in high school and and in high school it's like yeah because like. You don't want to be lonely. You want to have friends. You you see other people like going to parties and talking to girls. Or, God, I never got invited to parties. I know. And when you did, it no. was like, whoa. whoa. Well, see, but, that's, <laughs> but that's where my obnoxious wit came into play because by the time I was done with high school, it was like I, I did have, you know, like I did have a cool social circle, but like I've never, ever felt comfortable just like outside of like a creative like pod of people you know what i mean yeah. like i never yes. like yeah. i just Absolutely. went to i just had to go to san diego um because my fucking I, I just moved back last year from california and um and i had a um um a storage unit out there that got broken too so i had to fly out oh. there they got away with a couple nice guitars oh, sorry. Oh, my, sorry my les paul classic oh, oh. Oh, God. And, oh, guys, and my Martin Shenandoah, which is, not, which is okay, but the, the Shenandoah is not that expensive. But it, it was it meant something to me. And they got away with my Memory Boy, which I was even more upset mm-hmm. about because I love my little Electro Harmonics Memory Boy. I don't know why I'm more upset about that than I was Paul Custom. But that fucking effect. <laughs> I love that effect. Now I have to buy another one. Anyways. I went out there, and, you know, it's cool to see all my old friends and stuff, but, yeah. like, I did not feel comfortable until I was with my band that I still am active with out there as a reggae band, and we started working on the new album, and we recorded. I felt most at home there and just gravitated that, and I'm just finding more and more now as I get older is that I'm just very much, like, if I'm not at my house with my family, like, if I'm somewhere, I'm going to be gravitated towards, like, the 
yeah my tribe you know like it totally musicians are it is mm-hmm. like this tribalistic thing you know that because it, it, like we're not always the most outgoing people but you know but we can communicate we can like, understand each other like, we can we like yeah. there is definitely a pull to the more artistic mm-hmm. kind of communities now especially as you get older it's like i don't really see a lot of like uh like i'm a huge sports fan mm-hmm. but i can't really communicate with that Relate type of somebody on, on that basis yeah but, it's, like, it's, it's a little bit tougher it's like oh you see how the buckeyes played oh, assholes you know like for me i'm like <laughs> I, uh, okay i'm just like they're doing their best it's a really difficult sport i'll get so moral i'll be like these kids are putting themselves in harm's way for our entertainment you respect there's no such thing as a bum Boxing people hate that when I'll be like, "Hey man, if you get in the ring, you're not a bum. You're not a bum. You're, you're trying, the, bro." But those su- there are subreddits about boxing where it's the most vicious commentary. It makes 4chan look like a playground. Did <laughs> <laughs> you watch rugby? Six Nations rugby. That's oh, the most sportsmanly. Gosh. No, it's the most sportsmanly sport I've ever. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. like a, it sounds like a stupid phrase. I'm so sorry. No, but but genuinely, sportsmanship in that. And is is I like that I like that a lot. My family gets together and we watch Six Nations rugby every uh every year and. Does spring. New Zealand always win? Oh, they're not a part of the Six Nations. Thing. Okay. Six Nations is England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, uh, France, and Italy. Oh. My money's on England in that, but. England does all right, you know. Well, it was cool because I was <laughs> turned in, into a rugby. Well, player. I was in I was in England uh, for some. I was I was in like sixth grade. My dad was doing some exchange program, and he was the faculty advisor. So he brought us over. We went to school there for like a semester, Ooh, and sweet. I was there when Ireland won the championship. Like won all every single game oh, was a win oh, yeah. through the championship. That was the first time I'd done it in decades, and yeah. it was like a big deal. We're in this English pub, like rooting for Ireland, and we're getting dirty looks, and we're like, um. no, but I like it because at the end of the game. They sw- like the kickers like switched jerseys. It's just like there's a lot. They don't get. I don't think they get paid as much as like NFL players do. Which I'm not saying NFL players shouldn't get paid that much. Like given the amount of like brain damage that occurs there. Like and, and given the amount that I think the coaches get paid. You know yeah. the players yeah. don't get paid as much. So it's like whatever. But because they're not getting paid as much, it's more about like really the love of the game. Like yeah. you're in, mm-hmm. oh, you're on that field because you love it. And, yeah. Like, and that's why I gravitate towards like college football. Well, I thought it was so funny because like, as a kid I didn't like watching sports. And then and then I got to be in my 20s and this sounds really stupid. You're gonna be like, what the hell are you talking about? You're like 20 something. But my body is already breaking down as we speak. No, I'm dead sick. Like I have like bad knee problems. So like when I finally got older, I got out of my teens and I stopped having that teenage elasticity in my my body. Watching sports, I was suddenly like, oh my God, these are like 30 year old people, men and women, keeping their bodies in shape from it's that from the teenagers and <laughs> continuing to stay in shape be able to do that. That is a miracle and they should get paid a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. No, for real. I I, uh, I was friends with, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Malcolm Floyd is. He's a, He was the running back for the Chargers when they were in San Diego. I just happened to befriend him because he went to the same park that I took my son and I had no idea who he was. And That's, that's kind of cool. It was because, like, I thought he was a crazy person who I met in the park who had kids because, like, he was, like, we had seen each other, like, for weeks, you know, and we just started talking. We talked about music and stuff. Yeah. And then, like, one day, I um, he was like, oh, so what do you do, man? I was like, oh, I'm a musician and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I retired. I was like, damn, you're young for retired. He's like, yeah, I retired last year. I was like, from what? He was like... Oh, I play for the Chargers. And oh I'm my like, God. what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? And, and I thought, 
he was lying to me. I thought he was fucking <laughs> with me. I thought he was lying. And like I went and, and like I knew his name was Malcolm because he entered, we knew each other's names. So I put Malcolm, San Diego Chargers, retired. Boom. Up comes Malcolm Floyd's face. <laughs> Malcolm Floyd, who is like, an, uh, apparently he's a great running back or whatever position oh. he played. And I think that's the only reason why he, he we became friends was because I didn't know who the fuck he was. Yeah. And he's always, like, just being bothered and stuff. But the reason why I brought that up is because the amount of damage they do take, I've seen it firsthand. Oh, yeah. Like, he can't even kneel. Yeah. He has to go oh, it takes totally get, like, for sure. oh, my, like, he, he's, like, his brain did. He's like, man, I got these fucking ringing in my ear. Like, you know, like, and I'm not trying to put his business out there, but, like, he has a lot of medical issues that he's... That he's dealing with because of that. And it's, yeah. it's basically prize fighting at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, and that's not, I'm not one of those people that would get rid of it, you know, but I, I would, I'm definitely one of those people I'm saying that, like, I love contact sports and I love mm. that kind of, and that's maybe not healthy, but I think <laughs> as society continues to progress, I think that uh, with a lot of push from the medical field, those kind, these kind of sports are going to be rooted out in a way, Probably. and I think you're already starting to see it. There's kind of a drop in of in attendance in a little bit, um, with some certain uh, places in football. Like I, I know that Ohio State's attendance has gone down, which hurts my heart. <laughs> it hurts my heart. I, I, I love, I love the sport. I love, I love boxing. Um, but I don't think, um, and I love MMA. Too, but I don't think that these sports are gonna last for another hundred years in the same way. Just because we're becoming, we're, we're evolving a little bit more. We are, and more. we're we're getting wiser to. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but like, but even okay. Please explain that. Uh, well, you know, I okay. So we talk in history. We talk about um, some different sort of fallacies of like historical progression, and uh, one of them is positivism, which is the assumption that as we progress in time, we're always getting better. Mm -hmm. But that. That that's kind of a you know an yeah, iffy claim because yeah. it's not always true. <laughs> right because you know because you, right you know the rise and fall of Rome again like mm -hmm. the rise and this ties it back to my first thing about the rise and fall of regimes we are covering covering a lot of Both topics and doesn't just realize how what a range this is yeah. but like you know I mean I I sort of feel like uh, we could quickly devolve into a, a, a in, infrastructureless sort of pit of, of despair where we, 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 you know, do human cockfighting and, but like, luckily, whatever. But luckily, folk for music will rise folk, again like, when it's sport. those times. Well, when society no, breaks down I, folk music. No, I, I've yeah. been reading so many, like, apocalyptic books because I don't know why. It, it's like I try to be a generally positive person, but nothing gets me off more than, like, he, like reading a book about the end of the world. And I don't know why. I just, it's entertaining. And, and anyways, like, you just, I love seeing... Uh, that's my favorite part of the book is when they start describing the breakdown of society yeah. <laughs> because yeah. of like human nature yeah. um, it is always like, you know, f fucking survival yeah. and like what we will do to survive. And then <laughs> so like. You're right, like, because we could easily turn into like idiocracy and could, like with know. no infrastructure will, but, like, and. No, you but know. it's very like it's very simple. Like, but we've seen it happen before. Of yeah. course, like all they would have to do is release an EMP in the fucking sky in the upper atmospheres, and it would knock out our entire electronic electric yeah. electricity. Our grids would be gone, sending us back to candlelight. Imagine 
imagine what's gonna happen. Like people will fucking go bananas. When you said EMP, <laughs> I was thinking all that needs to happen is that somebody needs to release some EP and release. <laughs> oh yeah, an EP. <laughs> See, when you heard EP, I thought EVP, like like listening to like ghost talk. No, uh, uh, electro, uh, electro, not this band's music. <laughs> uh, electromagnetic pulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. EMP, no, I got, got you. EMP. No, no, no I yeah. watch Doctor Who. I get it. I get it. I know what an EMP is. I know what that is. No, it, it would easily. Just like, <laughs> I. It's just it, you're right. Like and, and like just. I mean, like when you watch Idiocracy, it resonates so hard, but it doesn't resonate as much as it does now. Like, have you guys seen Idiocracy? Yeah. <laughs> Where fucking Terry Crews is the president, and he's just like go. He's like in the parade. He's just flicking people like fuck yeah. <laughs> people are cheering. Terry Crews. The sad part is he would be a better president. Then our current president, yeah, and I, he was the president in Idiocracy, and it's like the but he I, the, been the ironic, yeah, oh, gosh, it's so ironic. you're right, and then so we see this like we have this like our society is so concerned with like boner pills and like <laughs> and, and fucking, well I don't know what world you live in, but I'm not worried about that. <laughs> no, but, but I think that says a lot about like what we put our time into as a society and like right. fucking boner pills. Obviously, <laughs> that comes back to no, 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 no. Yeah. This has a point because oh, okay, okay, it is like a male centric brand right, world. Right, we right. can all agree on that. That yeah. dude, white males got it made. So I didn't mean to negate you. I was just no, no, boner no, no, pills no. just yeah. came out of nowhere, and I was just spitting, it happens you know, a lot. As I think a lot of women find there's like a boner randomly in the sentence that you didn't expect. No, 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 or in your DM <laughs> or, in or your whatever. DM or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 you're absolutely right. But like what we put our energy into says a lot about right, our no, society. Absolutely. So that's the point I was making. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. just trying to say boner. <laughs> <laughs> but but boner is a you. funny word. It is funny. I think it is. It's I've like, actually heard that a lot in the studio where it will be like, there will be oh. a really nice take and <laughs> an engineer will be like, that just gave me a boner, man. <laughs> awesome. Okay, that's happened to that, me. That, that's happened to me. I think no, that's either. happened to all of us, but it's... it's somebody, yeah. I must, I was under 18 at the time. Oh, and I did some, no, it was bad. And I did, I did a performance at, a, at an open mic and this guy approaches and was like, you know, he was just like, hey, your, your voice just exudes sex. And I'm like, dude, I'm like 14. Like, uh, I don't like that. Uh, it happens all the time. No, it happens uh, all the time. Uh, you know, I have so many, you know, friends, women in, in music and it, um, you deal with it, but it needs to change. I mean, obviously it needs to change. I just don't know how to change that. Like, how, well, what am I supposed to say to make you well, not sexualize me just because so, my voice sounds yeah, like It's such could, a different you know? world for you and than me. Like, because I, I would play Stone Throw and Howard's, like, yeah. every night. Dirty dive bars every night and be approached by weird men yeah. every night who coincidentally loved my music. Yeah, they yeah. love your music. And, and then, but but like, I get approached and they're just like, man, like, you I look fantastic you. up there. Well, <laughs> yeah. usually yeah. It's, an, it's, a, it's a thing about my appearance. Like, man, mm. you, look, you look so like... You look like this female artist or whatever, yeah. like equating me to somebody else and not, you know, appreciating me for my own like, individuality. I really like what you had to say. Like you, you, you express yeah. yourself intelligently. Yeah. Well, I'm not, but <laughs> and I, also, yeah. <laughs> uh, I no, was looking just, at your butt the whole time. Well, it so. was. Yeah. I mean, it's usually it's not even about like I like what you had to say. It was just like yeah. you remind me of this no, female artist, and you, you well, and it's usually like a female artist that's kind of considered like a sex symbol mm -hmm. or something like that, and it's like you remind me of Beyonce or like there like, was a. <laughs> I do Our like Beyonce, but that would be, that would be a compliment Beyonce. in any sense. Our one buddy, I well, love one of my 
I guess I'm acquainted with him, Marwan Maurice. He's a performer from Columbus. He's a singer-songwriter, and he's black. <laughs> he said, I don't know why anybody ever says this about my music, but they like sometimes bring up that I sound like Jimi Hendrix. Or it might have been Gary Clark Jr. He's like, I, that's not how I model my music. Yeah. I know how you're making the connection there. Yeah. It's kind of making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I see. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah, so. yeah, because he's black that, and he sings rock and roll. And now he's Jimi Hendrix or Gary Clark Jr. Or, yeah, and or it's anybody like, else when, and if you listen to Marwan Maurice, it's like he sounds like Marwan Maurice. Exactly. Like, he's yeah. like, there's no way to really describe his style, mm. and he's got a pretty good following too which cool. is, is great for him yeah i think he's doing great right now so that's excellent yeah. it's excellent so so what what's your plans on recording this new album is it going to be like in the studio you're going to do a project studio what's like what's your plan with tech we're going to do it with uh bigfoot studios mm-hmm. um travis guyman uh runs bigfoot studios and he's done a lot of recording for like human juice box most oh, famously yeah. he did oliver hazard yeah. he, he did their album which is which is really awesome. Um, but he's got a great yeah, he's ear. Really good. And, yeah, he's we, great at producing. We worked with him to, to produce our um, our sing- single "Devil Come Around," which is on Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Uh, I enjoy working with Travis a lot. Like yeah. he just has he, he really does have a good ear for it. And because I'm not very, I don't know the theory behind what I'm talking about. Really, I've just sort of been playing music or whatever. And so when I'm trying to express to him, you know, like oh, we, we kind of want it to sound like this. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, no, no, I think I got you. And then he'll kind of do beep, boop, 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 and then yeah. play it back, and I'm like, shit, that's, that's what I it. wanted. That's it. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's just got a great ear. I Because I, he worked with um, Eric Sills at Stone Soup Studios, which they recorded New Bedford. And okay. um, Eric, uh, though he runs the studio, he gave a lot of the producing um, and engineering of the album to... Travis, he gave him a lot of responsibility because Travis has such an ear for rock music, folk music, basically any kind of music. He he knows, especially our music. We've worked with him for a number of years. I mean, the first time we worked with him was when we were uh, in the Roots Music Club mm-hmm. with, with Mike, Mike Rice. Yeah. And um, from that moment on, he's always had a lot of respect for us and what we do, and it's, it's very mutual. Oh. Um, so... It's like having a friend. Um, that's awesome. You know, it, it is having a friend. I, th- I think that's so. important, especially if you're working with producers who, yeah. who are gonna be contributing, like in, in like really integral ways. You know, like, yeah. like they're 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 almost sculpting a sound. Yeah. And you're so, and it is a collaboration. You are like you're putting your trust in that. So like to have them as a friend is probably even better. Yeah. Until you disagree on something. Yeah, <laughs> and then feelings get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Which but, you know we're artists, right? We care about our shit, man. Right. <laughs> I I know that I've had some like calls in the studio or mixing or editing with Travis where he's like, y- "You really want to do that? <laughs> like, are you sure you want to distort everything?" <laughs> and it's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I want it to sound like Johnny Hobo and the Free Trains. <laughs> get it lo-fi. Yeah. <laughs> I want a lo-fi. Um, you know what song I really liked was um, I'm sorry Freightline is that what Freight uh, Freight Street Freight Street yeah let's play that and then we'll come back and talk about it thank I stole sixty dollars for my speakers 
Street. No, I liked it, um, and it kind of got me thinking, like, I mean, not all these lyrics are literal. I mean, you're not robbing places, I don't think. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but I loved the song, and I loved that it was just, it, it, I, I think it was just two chords. I love songs that can be emotional with two chords. Uh, I mean, like, there's just so many songs, like, like uh, I don't which is a totally different genre, like Night Nurse, Gregory, Isaac. It's yeah. just two chords. It's A minor and G major. Two chords, but like you have this beautiful thing. That's kind of like why I gravitated to it. Is like I I I don't know why I like the idea of like just a two chord, just a little vamp almost that that can keep you entertained throughout the whole song. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of what that it was for me. And the content's really good. It's like so when you're writing songs and stuff like. Are you drawing from personal offense, or are you mostly making things up? Was like, how, how do you? I'm, I'm kind of making things up as I go. Okay, yeah, um, you're a storyteller. Uh, yeah, it does come like for example, <laughs> for example, I've never had a substance abuse problem, mm. but I've, I've I've gotten myself in some situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, it happens to the best of us. Yeah, I, I've never. I don't think that like I don't ever really go into a song with the idea that I want to write something specifically about something with freight street i can tell you i wrote that like over like christmas break when i was in college and it didn't start it, I, I just started it kind of as a situation that grew into a story mm-hmm. and like that's so that situation was robbing a car for its speakers mm-hmm. and then trying to use it to feed your habit yeah um and you just kind of see the destruction of the life start to form around this individual. But it wasn't like, I want to write a song about addiction yeah. because right now we do have an opiate problem. And, mm-hmm. and that's always, it's always so awkward to bring it up like that because like I know that is a huge itch- issue. But whenever I play Freight Street, I didn't start from that place. And I didn't want that to be like... I can and like I'll, I'll play in certain towns and I'll be like I don't know if this is appropriate. It's a very sensitive yeah. subject, especially in Ohio, and it's like I don't have the emotional connection to that situation that other people do. Um, so, it's a weird song. When we started covering it, it meant more to me and it kind of transcended that story to where like. Cause oh, he's saying covering. That's not an original song. Not covering it. When, when, when the band started, started playing. playing it. Okay, okay. Absolutely. So, because, like, Flan actually brought up the idea of naming the band Freight Street, mm-hmm. er, and, and now it's the album's name, and that's because I think we did it differently well, the it, album. It had to, it, well, because I was picking up when I, because I think Tom's a fantastic lyricist, especially, and so in the lyrics, I'm, I was picking up that sense of, like, this storytelling, creating this, there's this, um, this... How do I put this into words? Like, uh, this 
ego of this character centered in the Rust Belt, like, just, it it had a really poignant, like, feel to me about um, how, at least in my head, how I felt like our music was going, which the, the stories and the characters that Tom writes about and that I like to write about are, like, tend to be down on their luck or something, or they're confronting, like, like an identity sort of crossroads sort of a thing. I think that happens a lot. And I was like, you know what? I think that's a really cool motif. Like, not motif. I'd hate to, you know, reduce it to that because it's more than that. But, like, I like the idea of that anti-hero. That mm-hmm. this, again, with my folklore sort of background, I would just, like, that character. And I was like, I want to be, be part of that underdog message. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was really you know, yeah. involving uh, what all of our sound and, like, where we come from. And, um, you know, I've been in Ohio most of my life and, like, kind of being surrounded by that culture. And I felt like that, that song sort of embodied this sense of, like, this culture. I and don't know. It's funny now, though, because, like, we don't even really play that song. No, we don't. And, I mean, like, <laughs> you can ask Devante, being the bass player, that's not the most exciting song to play, yeah. Like, how would you... You have a great opinion about Freight Street because it differs from mine or, like, Ryan Roth and Craig James. They love that song. They're two rootsy great songwriters. I just met Ryan, yeah. They're great guys. They love Freight Street. Oh, I yeah, love I love Freight Street. Well, no, I love Freight Street, too, honestly, yeah. you know, and I, I'm much like Flan said, it does kind of have that sort of underdog feel to mm-hmm. it, and I just feel like it's really... Ohio. Like, it just yeah, kind of... Yeah, it's just Ohio. Ohio, yeah. and I was like, um, that's us. Yeah, exactly. And I don't dislike it. Like, you know, yes, it's two chords, so there's not too much to do. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but you the know, thought is there. The thought is there, yeah. and that's what, like, again, back to what I was saying earlier about, like, oh, you can be playing a song in a dive bar, you know, everything sucks. But the, what the music is saying, what Freight Street says, that's what, like... I'm there for. You know, yeah. I'm not there. It's not a moment to be a flashy bass. It's not a moment to yeah. you know, do yeah, that. that I, like you were saying, know your place. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and in a positive way, people hear that phrase. They're like, oh, fuck you. You know, yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. Know your place. but like, no, like, you know, serve the music and it will serve you. That's something my bass professor, Jeff Halsey, always taught me mm-hmm. since day I met him. He was like, serve the music and it'll serve you. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, it took me a little while to get that. You know, when I was younger, I was like, the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> bring it eggs if you build it, they will come. Gotta, like, yeah. gotta, <laughs> what? You gotta go <laughs> some, like, yeah. little process to, like, really serve the music. Like, you go, I don't know. Are you there, music? It's me, D. Like, cause yeah. like, <laughs> that was bad. Boo. That <laughs> was awful. <laughs> when you're, like, 15 and you're, like, thinking about that phrase, like, serve the music. What do you mean, serve mm-hmm. the music? Then you go through some shit and yeah. you're, like, 25 and you're, like, it's so much more oh than God. what you think. Like, Put in the time. But then there's, then there's AJ Graber, who's also in Discount Nostalgia. Love talking to him about this because we both have the same philosophy. It's If it sounds good, fucking play it. Mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Don't worry about poetry. Don't worry about it's got to be deeper than that. No, man. It's, it's <laughs> a songwriting project. If it sounds good, man. I sort of struggled with that personally, you know, sometimes coming from music school. And I'm not blaming music school at all or for anything. But, like, there's sort of a complex sometimes where you like something that you bump. I'll be honest. I fuck with Fall Out Boy Heavy. Yep. You catch me. cork <laughs> <laughs> tree when I leave here, dude. Uh, but, you know, that's just, like, a part of my spirit, my being. You know, it came along at a very important time, you know, I guess. You know? 
And, and it's funny that you feel like you almost have to defend your your like. Exactly. Yeah, I really it was bad like a long time ago because I would be like, no, I don't like this shit. And then yeah, like yeah. I was like, why am I being fake? Fuck that. You know, mm-hmm. love, love what you love. Yeah, we love. And, yeah, yeah, love what you love. Exactly. And like you said, if it sounds good, bump it. That's like my philosophy. I played like all sorts of music. I played jazz, classical. I was in an Irish band for a little bit. Like, you know. oh, he, uh, he's pointing to me because that's where I started. Were, I thought, with, yeah, I yeah, started. Yeah, I started yeah, with like <laughs> traditional <laughs> Irish stuff. Right, and like. Whatever, and you know, identity comes in the places like you, black, bumping an Irish band, and a folk fucking. I'm like, dude, it sounds good. I don't sounds care. good. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, Irish music. I, I went to like a pan Celtic festival, and they were playing some amazing stuff. Like, they were, they were, I mean, they, it's just so modernized. Like, I can't even describe what it was, but they were like fucking with some like complex rhythmic things going on. I was like, yeah. that's why I love Irish music. Like, it's so adaptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to butt in no, on no, your. Yeah, but I enjoy that's... that though. I mean, I, I, my guilty pleasure was like, I'm trying to think. I really like the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> <laughs> Which, speaking of Irish music, is like the most stereotypical, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I really full proud, set. But. Full set's a good group. I heard them play live once at, um, where was it? Oh, the Dublin Irish Festival yeah. in, um, yeah. Dublin, Ohio? Dublin, Ohio, yeah. Those uh, Celtic punk groups kind of... Gotta tone back the drinking, <laughs> because like you like I and I loved flogging Molly mm. growing up. I was like, oh, this is so great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Scottish, so I was brought up with like I loved the Corys. They're a folk duo from Scotland, and mm. they had some great songs. But then I wanted to amp it up, and I got into like Social Distortion and some Forty One, which I they both begin with S's. Maybe that's why, because they're both mm. two different eras of punk, but. But, like, <laughs> then I got into flogging Molly and Dropkick Murphy's, and I would bump that shit before a game and be like, oh, those bagpipes are getting me juiced. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Hey, I did that, too, man. I played that stuff right before baseball games. Yes. <laughs> Look at those bagpipes are getting me juiced. Well, that's like, the point, right? They're, but, supposed to be, they're supposed to rally the troops, but, right? They're but, used yeah, as, like, military. Yes. The problem oh, is right. that I, I got, like, smarter. I talked to my buddy Wes Perry, and he's like, yeah, I hate those bands. And I'm like, really? Why? It's like, because all they do is serve as a stereotype for what Irish people are. They're not actually Irish. I do agree. Also agree with that, but it's still fun. Love, it's love so what fun. you love. Fun music. But like, love what you love, man. He is like, I hate flogging Molly, man. Have you heard Salty Dog? It's the <laughs> most stereotypical. Like, it bats, it bats, it bats, you're gonna drink a da 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 It's like, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's fun. And it's it like, is gets fun. You, it gets you well, going. Also, okay. I'm not sure that Irish people care all that much about it. You know, I mean, because they love our music. Like, they love that, like, Appalachian folk. They love country. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. what they're playing on RTE every day, because I listen to RTE. Of course I do this. Um, or the, you know, Gaelic radio. Or, like, like blues. Like, they're There's playing a lot that. of Irish people who, like... Love the blues. Yeah. Van really Morrison? Blues. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, you know, Hosier? that rhythm that and spell? blues stuff. What? Is, that, is it Hosier or Hosier? Hosier? I have no idea how you say that. Is it Hosier? Oh, it's not Hoosier. <laughs> He's not from <laughs> Hoosier country. It's not... What the hell? The Irish uh, I think it's Hosier. I enjoy Hosier. I, um... I do, I do enjoy him. I, I think maybe I haven't listened to enough of his stuff to, like, have a real opinion, but from what I've heard... Um, like I like it and it has an, you know, it has a certain feel to it. I think in terms of variety, maybe it's not quite as in a variety that I'd like, yeah. you know, but, but when I'm feeling that, I'm feeling that and I'll listen to it mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy it. It's kind of like that with the white stripes now. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. It's like mood music, but it's yeah. not necessarily like you're not going there for variety. Who also had like a Scottish or Gaelic song, Prickly Thorn. Mm-hmm. I've. 
loved that too. That's like the most listened to White Stripes song I have, and it's just like I don't even know what they. It's great though. I like that one a lot. Okay, so I, I usually ask this for musicians, but you can apply it to anything, especially since we have a photographer and a visual artist and a writer here. You can apply it to however you want. Um, what is a uh, what is a weakness in, in your writing? It could be in your music and your playing that you've overcome in the past or you're trying to overcome now. So like for me, my left hand is dog shit. So I run drill for piano, I should say. My left hand is in the in the gutter. So I have to run and run drills. Mm -hmm. I should be doing it more than I do, but whatever. So <clears throat> that's something. I, is, so apply to whatever medium you want. And it could be the life if you want it to be. But uh, yeah, we'll start with flan. flan. <laughs> oh, God, I've heard that one, too. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's, no, it's funny. Uh, it, was, no, it's funny. it was a cheap shot I had to take. Um, <laughs> it was cheap. Right, it, right. Is, no, I could afford good. it. I could yeah, afford you it. could afford it. I had um, money in my pocket. <laughs> I had to buy it. Okay, go ahead, please. Um, I mean, honestly, right now I'm struggling a lot with time and effort kind of a thing just because I'm still in school. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm really excited because I'm in my last semester, so I'm excited to spend more time, uh, you know, whatever. But there was, like, everything I've ever done musically has come naturally to me. Uh, and so I get a little bit, you know, I hit a f level of frustration when it actually requires some work. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I know, I'm a lazy ass. I'm a total lazy person. I'm super lazy. It's like if it doesn't come to me in the first 30 seconds of starting a, you know, the first cool. five minutes of like sitting down with my guitar, yeah. like it's like I, I I start getting sleepy and I Dumb. give up and I'm yeah. like, I fuck. No, it drains it. It, it sucks yeah, it you. Sucks, it sucks you the out. energy out of you. Yeah. So what I'd really like to do, because I when I picked up the guitar in high school, like I had learned basic chords when I was really, really little and I remembered them, but then there was this really like short period of high growth, like that my curve went like way up of my mm -hmm. learning curve. Um, in, from like my, my, cause I picked it up in my junior year of high school, junior year to senior year. And I, I learned so much and I, I could play anything that I maybe wrote or wanted to play, um, now, but like now I'm getting to a point where I want to write music that's, that, that's different than what I'm able to play. Mm -hmm. Um, given my like current set of skills. Cause I've given up on, on piano, even though I was like classically trained for most of my life. Like that's not my instrument. I don't mm -hmm. feel the heartbeat that I do when I play guitar. And so, um, I would say like what I'm struggling with right now is being able to play the music that I'm trying to write. And that's super, super difficult. And that's why I'm really, really happy to be collaborating with like Devante and Tom and JP and Kath, who's our, um, our, our violinist. Uh, yeah. And, um, we haven't mentioned Kath at all. Well, and that's I why you got me. So bad. <laughs> women got to remember women. It's all right. We have no, a fifth good. member named Kathleen. Sch Kathleen yeah. Schneer. She's a fantastic violinist. She's but, like, really good. <laughs> yeah. We no, I absolutely love Kath. And so like, being able to show my vision to other people and then like they're all like everyone in this band is a fantastic improv artist mm. like they just they're so good at like they're, they're, um, they're like what what key is it and i'm like oh shit i don't know man like i don't know that kind of theory <laughs> so, i'll be like play the first chord yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right i got you exactly so Devante will be like okay just like play the first couple phrases and i do that and he's like okay i i, I fuck with that and then like and then he'll be like no and then he'll start this amazing like you know baseline stuff and then Devante or, and then uh, and then jp will pick up up on it and be like okay like here's the beat and I'm like oh my god like look what we're creating here and I didn't even have to do that so I think I just want to focus on being able to like envision that and work on my own skills like mm. work on my guitar work on my piano and be able to bring that up to the level of my vocal yeah. ability so yeah kind of like 
realize the whole picture. Put like, the work in, basically. Did not be a lazy ass and put the work in. It's, it's hard, but, but I, like, when you said, like, I don't really have the time, it's like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was, when me and my wife were in San Diego, we were business owners, full-time yeah. musicians, you know, like, we were always in motion, plus a child. So we're always right. in motion, and, like, the the level of negligence to my craft was mm-hmm. just ridiculous because I was I was playing in like eight or nine different bands any night of the week, playing different instruments. When and, and a child and a wife yeah. and, and, and like, you know, like trying to maintain like this family relationship and then this music relationship. Right. It, it, just, it was It'll it was a, a lot. Yeah. And ever since I've been back here, I've, it's almost been like I sequestered myself from all of that especially for the first year I was here because that was a very sad year for me <laughs> last <Yeah>. year. <laughs> that's like a common thing with Toledo guys, like Toledo musicians. Like they'll say that first year back, man. <sighs> God. It was tough because I came and winter came and like I got flu. I got the flu yeah. first time in like 20 years. Yeah. It was like bone aching flu. Like and it was cold. It was like negative 90,000 degrees. And like anyways, but the level that I've grown in this last year has been incredible and it was just the fact that I had time to put into yeah. it. Yeah. And and like and that, energy. That motivation that comes with learning something new mm-hmm. in your craft that keeps you wanting to know more. Yeah. Is back like crazy. Like right. I'm just like eating it up. And like last night I had a breakthrough. It was fucking awesome. I was just so happy. Yeah, I love we those did, nights, right? We did too. Nice. And that's yeah. like I think that that's the biggest thing for me that these guys keep me from in my writing. It's it's always getting into patterns. Mm-hmm. And when I'm playing by myself, I've written songs that I'll be like, oh. So this is something that you've tried to overcome. Yeah, just being like stuck in a pattern. Yeah, yeah. And when you're in like, I'm not as uh, adept to being a great guitarist as like Mike Bryce is. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of time I've been working on my writing so much, I feel like my writing is 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 up there to where my guitar playing is not and i the, the singer and the songwriter they they spoke about that me. at the clinic they're a band from california they're oh, really they're good fantastic and look them up on spotify what they um the, the singer, singer and, the songwriter. and the songwriter oh okay so that and they touched on that how like one facet of your skills is not matching up with another mm-hmm. and you you want it to and yeah. so because of that i get stuck in a lot of patterns yeah but because i work with like these guys and stuff like Last night we were doing some very experimental kind of stuff that might not turn into anything, yeah. but it helps you yeah. anytime you work with other people. It helps you kind of get a different perspective on how to do things, uh, more ideas, uh, and, and like ways that you didn't originally envision the song being put in there and then all of a sudden it's like a different song yeah. it's like you didn't just write it now they did and this album is very different like you said from New Bedford and everything that you've mm-hmm. done before and that like we're adding things like a synth board we're adding yeah. a lot yeah. of different effects and everything mm-hmm. like that we it's might like, run a bass through a synth we, we just yeah. might we try, yeah it happened <laughs> yesterday it was wild man like we might not use a acoustic guitar I mean, that, oh, it is possible you. that, like, as a... Not if I have my way with... No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's all I know how to play. I'm not good at I mean, like, that's... But that be... I usually... If I'm playing with Freight Street, I'll either run out of my Seagull. I love my Seagull acoustic guitar, this but I run it through so a tube amp. so good, and they're affordable. The other you guitar... Run out of a tube Yeah, and that's the thing. I also run, like, last night, I, I play this really terrible archtop, 
like airline with the neck that is bent to God's heaven. Oh God! And it's like the God most did. painful guitar I've ever played, but I love the tone. Mm -hmm. Like you can hear it on Devil Come Around. It's the same guitar. It's on Freight Street too. It's like a cheap. Really cheap so arch good, though. I mean, that made, that, that practically made, the, well, because he plays it in that intro bit, and it's just, like, makes that song. No, I'm going to go listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that, those, those, like, fucked up, like, those old, what is it, singer, not Singerland, what are those old guitars? Silvertone. Silvertone. It's, it's a lot like that. This one is a K airline from 1962. I bought it in uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts, okay. which is everybody know is haunted as shit. Nice. So it probably has some, no, I don't know. If it, I think the whole state's haunted, to be honest. I think we're all haunted by memories. Anyways, <laughs> I think that, no, I think... I, when I play the airline, the the that guitar in particular, I think it has like such a different tone because I have like a dot Epiphone mm -hmm. that I love too, but it doesn't have the same soul. It doesn't have yeah. the same kind of like attack that this cheap guitar has. It's crazy good. So, um, like <laughs> that's the drummer for Discount Nostalgia actually right now. <laughs> You're not uh, invited, bro. Looking out the window. He was my roommate last uh, two years ago. So when we when we first got started, when with we this first whole got thing. started, so it's funny seeing them right there. Yeah, we squeezed but. into that little living room. Yeah, tried that's, to play oh together. that's where it all started. <laughs> but yeah, to bring it full circle, this will be a lot different from anything I've worked on yeah. before. So. That's awesome. Or we've worked on. Big D, fucking what? <laughs> Sorry, I, I just, no, no, I don't care. Cheap one. <laughs> um, the what? What if what? What's like a. I hate to use the word weakness, but it was something that you worked on in the past that you might have had trouble with, that or something you're working on now that uh, you know you're just trying to get past with your playing, or well, writing, or drawing anything. Well, I'll start with that. I'm just practicing on writing and drawing Sweet. right now. Like I'm just every day just trying to get better. That's they great. they look. The art, the art looks fucking terrible, but <laughs> fucking terrible in in my sense. I think everything I do sucks sometimes. Uh, <laughs> no. I feel that though. I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. No, but in all, all honesty, I'm I'm just kind of getting better at drawing. I've drew since I was a kid, mm -hmm. or I have drawn, however you say it, since I was a kid. So I got a little bit of skill in that regard. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like sharpening that. Um, literally kind of reading books, watching YouTube videos on how to write, listening to that while I'm at work and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that's how you do that. Or, that's, <laughs> how, that's how you develop characters or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Doing stuff like that. But as far as music, um, I definitely had struggled, like Flynn said, again, with sort of that laziness in the, in regards to if it wasn't, if I wasn't getting it, fuck it. <laughs> like, right. you know? yeah. And I, I'd be like killing it on the piano, like, yay. And then like, all right, now turn the page. I'm like, nope. No. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Not going to do it. Not nope. even going to try. But that, that, you know, that's, I think, even though now I would say that I'm much better at that, it is still a constant battle to like not get frustrated, to not just kind of be like, go to the next thing, you know, and be like, all right, now sit down, analyze, you know, don't just like run into the wall, run into the wall, mm -hmm. run into the wall and be like, fuck is going on? Why, why can't, you know, like, Examine everything. Right. Yeah. And I kind of take that in with life as well, like yeah. with little stuff. Like, don't get, you know, don't get necessarily heated at the little things, mm -hmm. you know, or even, you know, things in life that you can't control. Just, you got to be able to weather it. You got to be able to, like, yeah. look at the problem and, and just be like, I can overcome this. You know? mm -hmm. So I take that in real life as well. 
and as far as music, it's I'm, I'm just always learning. I can't pick one thing that it's like I yeah. You know, I'm working on all of it. Yeah, you know, even running drills like running scales. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I do less of that than I should. I'll be honest. I think we all do. But oh, like, yeah, me too. you know, like, you got to do. All that. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> but it's one of those things that you just have to do. It's like I'll, I'll learn a scale if it applies to what I'm playing currently, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like and really learn it. But I mean, and that's why I'm so slow. It's so slow of, of a learner because, especially because I. I've been trying to do multiple things for years, and so like it's weird. What you see with multi instrumentalist, multi instrumentalist is like you, what I see a lot. The pattern is is like they'll um, they get pretty decent at each one, but never like holy shit, that's amazing. I mean, like not everybody's Prince, you know, like yeah. not everybody's fucking Sting or whatever. I don't even know what his. Musical. I know he plays a lot of instruments. I think he and plays bass he, or guitar, both. No, he no. plays like forty different instruments. Really? Yeah. Sting. Wow. Sting. Yeah. And transcendental fucking and playing music. That's all he does, man. It's yeah. weird. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I forgot where I was going with that. Edibles, whatever. Uh, oh, let's move on. Paul, Paul McCartney's kind of like that. If you look at a yeah. lot of the guys from the Beatles. They all started as pretty terrible musicians. Right. But then they've been playing all their lives. Uh, They had to. And now Paul McCartney plays basically every every instrument instrument proficiently. And that has made him a better musician and songwriter and just all in all. Like, that's the goal. That was my point. That's where I was going. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that back up because I was just going to move on. No worries. But, like, but, like, what you do see in multi-instrumentalists, they're not great at any one thing, but like, I see them being great at producing, and I see uh, great songwriters. I see them uh, like like really really excel at that because they have this broader understanding of how these instruments kind of work together, you know, yeah. because of like hands-on use. That was my point. Uh, but I do consider myself a mediocre player across the board, <laughs> so, but I'm trying to get better. And I think that's the point. It's like you can yeah. be I mean, you can be like, oh, I still like I'm mediocre or whatever. But if you're just doing it because you love it, you know, I get hired. I make a living off this. Yeah. So I'm not horrible. Yeah. And that's another thing I'm working about myself is trying to value myself more. So <laughs> you, you right, got to yeah. tell yourself yeah. all the time. It's funny how your brain works. How you like can trick your brain mm-hmm. into like believing something like how people who tell lies all like donald trump probably believes all that stupid shit he says and how your mind can change day to day like there's some mm-hmm. days where you're thinking everything is awesome with what you're doing but then you get off stage somewhere and you're like oh, nothing's right <laughs> what am i doing right. with my life i yeah. need Jeez, to take a big well, recess from everything you know i also think that there's a misconception i think a lot of people who are just starting out um as a musician you know they 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 think the only way to be a musician is to like be a world star, you know, like on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Right, exactly. And I'm like, that's you know, great... but that's but that's not what historically musicians have been. You know right. what I, I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what, everyone requires music in some way. It is a catharsis for society, not even just for the players, not just for the musicians themselves. So like, just going out and playing local gigs, playing, you know, stuff like that, just making a living that way. Maybe you record an album, you know, every once in a while, and you kind of share it with people. But like. That's still what music has historically been for humanity. It's this part of this catharsis, and if the whole world's not listening, it's not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. But as long as somebody's listening, and as long as you feel like you have something to say, 
then what the fuck? It yeah. doesn't matter whether you're famous or not. That is such a good and responsible point of view, and it is not the point of view that we are taught since children. It's mm-hmm. the point the point of view that we've been taught since we were kids is like you can do music, but you should always have something back up because you're inevitably going to fail. You gotta at be that. really good to make money. Right. That's kinda like the way that, that I was brought up is right. if you're gonna do music. You better be good you at gotta it. Gotta be really good to make money. But it's okay, you know. Yeah. But but like but like and that's the whole thing. It's like why are we're not teaching kids that you can go and just like this could just be your profession. You it's not about being on Rolling Stone. Yeah. Imagine all that talent that's been deterred because People are telling them they're going right. to fail at it before they even get a chance just, to really explore. Just because yeah. they don't have the qualities that you know popular culture at the time is exactly. looking for. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's totally yeah. discouraging, and I just want to say no to that. You know? It's very discouraging, and, and like I hate seeing that a young artist getting rang out like that. Like, and you yeah. see it all the time, whether it's parents or or people at school telling them that, and, and like school is very rigid and formatted in this really fucking archaic way of communicating to children. Right. Like they're children, they shouldn't be sitting and yeah. facing forward and quiet. They should be like interacting, touching and and, and breathing it in and living it. Yeah. And exercising we, creativity. We, yeah. We suck it out of them mm-hmm. so they're good little cogs in the machine. Yeah. I'm very passionate about this. I go, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Like I hate yeah. industrialized I, I, I system of education. Yeah. I can't Stand, uh, I mean, because creativity doesn't have to just be about music. Creativity is in bioengineering. Absolutely. Creativity yeah. is in is in fucking architecture. In architect- it's, in, it's like it's in education every, in creating in, a lesson plan. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know? Keep it, just creative problem solving in it, every aspect of critical thinking. Yeah, it's like holy thinking. shit, this is being erased and eradicated. Exactly out of our fucking society and it's like really sad and gross and like I feel bad for my son but not too bad because he's got me. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and my wife. Mostly my yeah. wife. But he's got me. <laughs> my wife is way cooler with that stuff than me. I'm just, I, my wife is cooler. Uh, <laughs> um, we're getting close to the end here so I usually end with this. Well, lately I've been ending with this because I just think yeah. it's so nice. It's just a nice way to end things. So, as a, when do you feel most loved? Oh, wow. oh Jesus Christ! Wow. Um. Oh. I'm sorry, Flan. Flan, right? <laughs> yeah, Flan. Flannery. Flannery. It I, I'm gonna like next time I see, I'll be like Flan. I'll be like fuck. I'll punch you. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, punch <laughs> you in the neck. No, I'm kidding. Um. When do I feel most loved? It doesn't I'll, have to do anything with music or anything like yeah, that. It can be question. Yeah, I'll just say, I'll just like open and be like when I'm with my friends and family mm. and when I'm having fun or, or like with my girlfriend and, and just when I feel love from the people that love me, that's when I feel most loved. Not necessarily during during music. And a lot of times I think that it's not... I'm, I don't feel love during this. That's a bad place to go find love. I found uh, yes. like to find yeah. approval yeah, yeah, from yeah, strangers. I think like that, that I think that you it's need to find the love after the show when it goes bad and yeah. you meet somebody that's willing down. to hear you yeah. cry about your shortcomings. That that's when I feel most loved is when somebody's there 
yeah. for me. And, and they're my, still and there after all these yeah. years. Like, oh my God, you stuck with it. Yeah. Jeez. Thank Tom you. has the right answer, but because uh, that's also my answer. <laughs> There's but, no right or wrong for those guys. <laughs> no, you're right. You're not being quizzed. I like that question, though. That's I like a great it too. way to end it. I like it, I like it too. Um, and just to give you a history of that question, because I like to give credit where credit is due. Um, do you guys ever heard of uh, you know, co- getting coffee with comedians in cars? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> I love Jerry Swift. Wow, I love that you just did like a little, little, you were so little happy. kid dance, a little happy dance. <laughs> Dana Carvey on the new latest season on Netflix, Dana Carvey is talking to Jerry Seinfeld, and he, and Dana Carvey asks that question to Jerry Seinfeld, and it like it like stuns him, and he's like, "I've never been asked that question." And I was like, "That's such a beautiful question." So I just mm. co-opted it into my yeah. show because it is a beautiful question. Like that's a, and I think it's a nice way to end, and I think it's a nice way for people to, who are getting to know this you guys as a band to like, like oh like see. What they value, you know, what 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 is their most valued treasured thing, which I think is love. Yeah. And um, so that's sort of the basis of the question. You didn't need to know that. Please. My half of it. <laughs> my half of it to jump off of that though, including like, it for me. For, this is gonna sound so no, fucking fat, so but it's gonna, uh, food's kind of been like a big part of my life. My grandma, we all lived in like a house together when I was a child, all the way up till I was about like thirteen, and. Uh, and cousins and stuff kind of went their separate ways. We all, like, sort of lived in our own sort of big house for a while in Toledo. And I remember, like, you know, people are people. You can love your family, but you were going to you were gonna fight. You're going to, yeah. like, disagree. Yeah. You're going to, like, have something against, not even something against them, but, like, you're not going to match up 100%. Oh, yeah. It's not always, you know, square peg, square peg. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> like, when it came to dinner, all that kind of, like, just fucked off, I guess, yeah. you know? Like, any sort of like fights with my cousin or any sort of like spats with any other family members like my aunts or, or anybody like that. Whenever dinner, whenever it was time for dinner, everything kind of like melted. You, you know, it was all, I hate to say this, but it was almost like, you know, you're high and you're just like, yeah, fuck it. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck are we even fighting? Like, you know, yeah. like we would just serve the food and we would eat and we would talk and, you know, and the dog would be there begging for scraps. Like, and it's like, fuck off. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, but that's kind of like when you say love, I was just trying to think like, yeah, like that, that was a tough question. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what do I, I was like? All right, think of like love when you felt it. And it's like, oh, when we were all at that house and like mm-hmm. just around the table talking about nothing, eating dinner. Yeah. And then me and my cousins would get done and go play PlayStation or something. Yeah. yeah and then it'd be cool. Like yeah. everything could happen up till dinner and then after dinner, everything was chill. It was like the end yeah. of the show. It was like the credits were rolling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as long as you got to dinner, you were straight. So, so can your family throw down in the kitchen? Oh. Sir, <laughs> sir, we'd have like a tournament of grandmas around here or something like that. Everyone's granny gets together. And I, had, I had tears and like we got like the Mexican shit. What? Oh man, dude! When I moved back here, it was like having my own personal Mexican restaurant that's dude. open every day at all hours. And like I instantly put on ten pounds, dude. Just I came back here eating hot pork, dude. <laughs> I I love everything my grandma cooks, man. Fucking sweet potatoes, fried Ooh. chicken, like you name it, collard yeah. greens, all of it. Oh, like the typical dude. black Sunday no, dinner, no, no. dude. Like, it's great because I married in, into a black family, and oh, that's nice. oh, dude. It fucking it rocks, dude. <laughs> no, because like because there's nothing better than like like ethnic food that's like been passed down from generations. Generation to generation, they just yes, throw it on your dude. plate, and you just throw, you eat it, and you pass out with a smile on your face. There's a lot of Italian people in Cleveland that do that. Like they will feed you until you can't, like, take take anymore. Sauce, <laughs> <laughs> Eric sauce.
I'm going to have to agree with Devontae on that one. I mean, for, I don't know. But for me, it's it's like just a general like communion with my family, whether it's like a meal or like... Gen I mean, actually, if I'm really thinking about it, it does kind of tie into music because it's like whenever I come home for the weekend... Um, you know, I get a text from my mom the night before, it's like, I miss you, which is really sweet. And I go home and then, uh, you know, I just pick up the guitar in the living room and, um, and then like the family so starts to like come in. My Aww. sister, my sister plays as well. She, she sings too. And, and we're just sitting there like playing folk music and harmonizing. And then my dad will pick up the guitar and be like, oh, this is an old one I remember from this. And then my mom will join in. And it's so cool. It's really that great. You know, so and all the, all the dogs are like, we're all in the living room. There's a fire going on in the middle of the living room. Not in the middle of the living room. Yeah, we just started. In the fireplace in the living room. The coffee table is like <laughs> this tonight. But yeah, I mean, just that, and then having you know my sister's boyfriend comes in, and my mine will join in too. I just, just having all of us in my parents' home for some reason because my. I don't know, my, my parents have put a lot of love into that house, like, mm. just making it feel, it just feels like this, like, old kind of log cabin sort of feel. It's just, yeah. like, full of warm light and, and, like, rich red colors, real cozy, and it just makes you feel safe inside, I don't know. Yeah. It's having that, everybody together. That made me want to just like curl up and take a nap in front of the fire. Yeah, that that's, nice. that's my house. Yeah. I love that. Is that was beautiful. All those answers were beautiful. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate. How can people find you guys? How can people like book? How can contact? When can we be expecting the album? I'm okay. on Farmers Only. Oh, damn it! F U D D. Oh God. Oh uh, well, um, you can find us on. And I always, I always feel weird about this kind of thing. Well, you can find me here. I, I can just put it in the show notes, um, and you don't have to say anything. No, no, no. It's, it's cool. <laughs> um, we're on Facebook as Bully Crosser. We're on Instagram as Bully Crosser. That's the only profile. We're on Spotify we're as on Freight Street. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping maybe and, we'll release oh, the album and on that. Bully Crosser. Sp Spotify, Freight Street, and Bully oh. Crosser. Um, there's a Bully Crosser website, um, but. Again, like also. Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, no. I was gonna say also, all of us have played with like Mike Bryce. So if you look up Mike Bryce yeah. on Spotify, we're all on his album at certain yeah, points. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. You sang on. So um, I sang on a couple of okay. two, two of them, I think at least. Yeah, but, that's definitely the second. I'd say or Trino Leaves too. If you yeah. want to, we're just gonna plug everybody. All of them, everybody uh, in Bowling Green, Toledo area. Well? Yeah, we got the new album Profit Holographic on Spotify. Dude. You can buy it. You can also buy it on vinyl here at Grounds for Thought. Yeah. Nice. How much is on vinyl? <clears throat> Money? I don't know offhand. I'm sorry, but no, uh, I'm the same way. When it gets all like details, I don't know. It's like, who'd you talk to? The book? Oh, so I just show up. <laughs> <laughs> kind of is me. It's like my manager handles that. It's like, ugh, I don't deal with this. Just get me to the stage. <laughs> exactly. I'm very much like that. I don't like dealing with that. And even if I do know like intricate details like that, yeah. I'm not telling you. <laughs> you can. I mean, I might as well plug my photography. I have, yeah, for sure. I have an Instagram account. It's um at scout underscore blues it's all lower lowercase so. everything right now um, yeah um, well not right now so ask we're blues, still talking that's rude <laughs> it's good. you guys don't mind about like instagram why we do this right no, um, that's fine. but yeah you know instagram <laughs> we will we will and please remind me to do a selfie i've forgotten to do a selfie with every fucking person i've been talking to i don't know why but it's for the Instagram, so just remind me. The okay. Instagrams? And the, and then is that what say, <laughs> as far as the album, I would look for that coming out at least by January. That's oh, wow. the goal. Um, to get it completely recorded, hopefully within November. And we gotta get album art, which yeah. I guess I'll, I better get, get Very, cracking. Which, that won't be that hard. You and I, you and I should do Yeah. Oh, collab. Collab. I'd be honored. Collab. I like it. Um, so, I mean, with, with all that, and then 2019... 
I'm already booking a lot of shows, which it, it's it's sad because Flan's going to be going to Boston, and but we're going to capture the sound as we have it yeah, now. And then I think 2019 is going to open up a whole new uh, palette of shows and really getting out there, trying to really make a move to to make this something that is not only like a project but sustainable yeah for for myself going forward and i think for d and you know we were i booked a show in indianapolis we're, book, we're trying to book one in cleveland with uh ray flanagan and emily keener so there's a lot of cool things to come that are going to circulate around this album and i think kind of rejuvenate us and our creative process moving forward oh those are great words to end on Thank you guys, I really appreciate it. You guys, it's early, it's not really a musician's <laughs> hour, but you know, I appreciate it and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, thank, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, there you have it folks, Bully Crosser. Thank you very much to Tom, to Flannery, to Devante for sitting and chatting with me in that little room at uh, Grounds for Thought. And um, thank you, Grounds for Thought, for having us there uh, and just letting us take over a room for two hours. That was super nice. And I will definitely be going back there. And their coffee was delicious. So Grounds for Thought in Bowling Green, check it out. Um Again, write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. You can go to the barren wasteland that is the we speak English good.net. Leave a review on iTunes. Um, you make a comment on SoundCloud. You can follow me at we speak English good on IG or Instagram, but the kids say IG. That's stupid. Okay, <laughs> or on Facebook. Uh, you can also follow Bully Crosser on Facebook and I believe on um, Instagram. And they also have a website, which you can find in the liner notes, but you can also uh, listen to me say it right now as soon as I navigate to that page. And that's BullyCrosserMusic.com. B-O-O-L-E-E-C-R-O. O-S-S-E-R-M-U-S-I-C dot com. Uh, BullyMusic.com. Check out all things Bully Music. You can also find them on Facebook under Bully Crosser. And um, go follow uh, Flannery and, and Devante. And, and Devante has his own bands. And um, I'm... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my way through the BG circuit here. So I guess that's the next path to follow here. So I don't know. Who knows? Who fuck? fuck am I talking about knowing? I don't know anything. I live in Ohio <laughs> where fracking keeps the gas prices low. <laughs> where big pharmaceuticals keeps marijuana out. <laughs> No, um, I'm not gonna say in shit talk Ohio. It's been, it's actually been great um, learning how to play my instrument correctly. So, anyways, let's not get sidetracked here. Let's get the fuck out of here. Um, you know, be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>